Hello, my name is Will Spencer, and you're listening to the Renaissance of Men podcast, and this episode is celebrating my two-year anniversary. And to mark this special occasion, my guests this week are Rob, Katie, Barb, and Andrea, whose names you might not know, but whose contribution to my life you surely will. They're from Camp Spirit Dream, who introduced me to Christ at Burning Man. This is a time of transformation. As old ways fall, men are called to rise, to heal our lives, grow strong, and transcend our limitations. In tribes around the world, drawing on the best of masculinity from all of time, a new day is beginning. This is the Renaissance of Men. You are the Renaissance. As you heard in the introduction, this episode marks two years since my very first podcast with Tanner Guzzi, and what a ride it's been. This year in particular has been special, with groundbreaking episodes with Laser Huddle, Pastor Doug Wilson, The Physique Father, King David, Feminine Not Feminist, Pastor Toby Sumter, and Douglas Gillette, many of whose episodes have cracked my top 10. But I think the coolest thing about this is that within two years, I've actually interviewed many of my dream guests. So you know what that means. Bigger dreams. So before I introduce my guests this week, I wanted to share with you a list of the guests that I have coming up in the next few months, because my podcast is now booked into December, if you can believe that. I'm thrilled. So in the coming weeks on the Renaissance of Men, I'll be hosting Dr. Ben Merkel, president of New St. Andrews College in Moscow, Idaho. Dale Partridge, the Wall Street Journal bestselling author and founder of Relearn Church. Anthony Mink, entrepreneur and founder of LiveBearded.com. Evan Amato, founder, producer, and host at Rewire the West. Ryan King, who I'm sure many of you know from the Wisdom of Kings Instagram page. Pastor Doug Wilson and Christiana Hale, the author of Deeper Heaven for a discussion of the C.S. Lewis Space Trilogy, better known as the Ransom Trilogy. And finally, the return of Alison Armstrong. We'll be talking about the new audio version of her book, The Queen's Code. And these are just the guests that I have scheduled. I'm working on many more. I'll also be hosting a podcast booth at ReformCon here in Phoenix at the end of October, and I'm planning a big podcast special. Jeff Durbin, Toby Sumter, James White, David Bonson, Dr. Ben Merkel, and one of my favorites, Joe Boot, are all on the agenda, and I hope to interview all of them. There's a link in the show notes to ReformCon. Get your tickets now and don't miss this event. Pastor Michael Foster's County Before Country just wrapped in Ohio and was a huge success, and Toby Sumter's Fight Laugh Feast Conference in Knoxville, Tennessee is coming up. Christian men and women are on the leading wave of a major offensive in the war for American culture, and the Renaissance of Men by God's Providence has led me right there to the edge. If you're listening to this, you are needed. Conferences are an unparalleled opportunity for networking and fellowship, a way to break down the isolation that keeps us behind screens. So you can meet me, the speakers, and make new friends and connections by attending this national event. Again, check the link in the show notes for more. I'm pretty sure you won't be able to miss the Rena Men booth, as I'll be right there next to Cross Politic and Apologia Studios. Praise God and hallelujah. Finally, before we begin, just this week, four podcasts are coming out that feature me as a guest. The new AlexaCast and Philosophical Gospel Podcast 
plus the Psychedelic Christian podcast and the hit international show Cultish. These are some of my best appearances yet. Plus, I've just completed a new YouTube series about men's isolation with the channel Rewire the West. It's an enormous blessing for me to see all this work rewarded with so much attention all at once. I'll be releasing a special solo episode next week to talk about each one of these. But for now, please go over to YouTube and check out my series with Rewire the West. I'm incredibly proud of it. Evan and I are both taking our time, and episode 5 is very special, so you won't want to miss it. Hit the link in the show notes to go straight to the playlist and watch from episode 1, or catch up from wherever you're at. Thank you all for coming with me on this journey. The feedback I get from you is truly meaningful. People often compare this podcast to some of the best in the world. And what means the most to me is knowing that I've continued to hit and exceed the quality bar I set for everything I do, because everything you see and hear from the Renaissance of Men is done by me. All the audio, all the video, all the graphics, every tweet, every post, and every word. The only thing I didn't do is my website and my photography, and I thank Brandon Tigret from Tigret Agency, the unsung hero of the Renaissance for that. As you've just heard, in this coming year, my third, I look forward to even bigger and better things. So again, thank you. Please don't forget to share the renaissance of men with your friends, because we're about to throw a party, and the world's invited. Now, on to the show. I have a theory. That theory is, if pressed, each of us can identify the three moments of our lives that most contributed to being who we are today. Turning points, you might say. Of course, our lives are made of much more than three turning points. If you zoom in close enough and start thinking about things like the butterfly effect, even the smallest daily decision can have enormous significance beyond our understanding. But we as humans are natural storytellers. We can't help but assemble narratives in our never-ending search for meaning in our lives. And when we assemble those narratives, subjective though they may be, it's hard not to land on the same handful of events whose intimacy, power, unexpectedness, and sense of triumph lend them enduring resonance. But there is one event in people's lives that has the character of being not just subjectively powerful or objectively meaningful, but even of eternal significance, and that is baptism. To borrow a phrase from Dr. Jordan Peterson, In baptism, the objective world of matter and the narrative world of story touch. Through the simple act of going down and coming up out of a body of water, we mark our commitment to participation in a great story, the greatest story, you might say. Seen that way, though the event itself may only have limited fanfare on earth, in heaven, Jesus says in Luke chapter 15, verse 10, in the same way, I tell you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Imagine that. That one sinner, you or me or anyone, can create joy in angels, eternal beings. That's a profound statement. I don't know if I can wrap my head around it. Now, imagine being someone called to do that work, to bring joy to the angels of God. What would you do to further that mission? Would you go to the ends of the earth Would you sail seas, climb mountains, trek through jungles, and cross endless grasslands? What would you risk? Wealth? Status? Health? And if God and the angels called you into the heart of the burning desert, into a mystical city of bizarre pagan practices that exists for just one week a year, 
but demands total commitment of spirit, soul, and body, not just to thrive, but to survive, would you go? But there, for the grace of God, go I. Which brings me to my guests this week. Unlike many of my previous guests, they're not famous content creators, authors, or pastors. They don't do much on social media or live in the public spotlight. They're everyday people, a husband, wives, mothers, artists, and artisans, devout, faithful, loving, and kind. But God called them on a mission out to a distant desert where they found me, an adult-aged kid just born into the world after a long incubation, and pointed me on the long road that ultimately led me home. Their names are Rob, Katie, Barb, and Andrea, but you may know them better from the name of their camp, Spirit Dream, a Christian ministry they led at the Burning Man Festival for more than a decade. For those who don't know what Burning Man is, it's a festival that takes place in the Nevada desert in the week leading up to Labor Day every year. What began as a small gathering of friends on a beach in San Francisco in the 1980s has grown into an event 80,000 strong that attracts people from around the world, from seekers to celebrities and even CEOs from top tech companies like Google, Facebook, and more. Elon Musk said in 2014 that, quote, Burning Man is Silicon Valley. Well, the flip side is that the festival is also a celebration of hedonism, sexuality, consumption, radical self-expression, and all manner of pagan practices. Anything, and I do mean anything, goes. As a three-time attendee in 2003, 2013, and 2015, I can confirm that. And while it wasn't always so spiritually focused, in recent years the festival has taken on far more of an overtly mystical, pagan, and anti-Western view. A collective exploration of indulgence and self as God, capped off by the symbolic destruction of civilization's values, all while using the very gifts that civilization provides, like gasoline, RVs, lasers, generators, expensive sound systems, complex electronics, refrigerators, synthetic fur, designer drugs, and more. No one ever accused the New Age progressive worldview of being consistent. God called Rob, Barb, Katie, and Andrea, and a bunch of others around the country into this festival to serve, and they went, and over 14 years from 2004 to 2017, attended versions of the event with names like Fertility 2.0, Radical Ritual, Beyond Belief, Cargo Cult, Carnival of Mirrors, Rites of Passage, and more. And they went with the intent to show God the Father's love to lost and rebellious seekers, people open to everything, and I do mean literally everything, except the love of a father, the one thing in many cases they desperately needed. The cover art for this podcast, which depicts Rob holding a young girl in his arms, weeping, illustrates that mission, and it was painted by Andrea. If a picture is worth a thousand words, what's a painting worth? You're about to find out. In our conversation, we discussed the genesis of Spirit Dream and its rapid growth, fitting in with a unique Burning Man culture, both in the presentation of themselves and the language they used, their lessons learned and dangers confronted, and why they stopped going, behind the scenes of the camp protocols, the coexisting spiritual kingdoms, their perspective on meeting me and watching my transformation as friends who have been there every step of the way, and finally, at the end, a small sign that God may be bigger than previously imagined. Before we begin, I just want to say, It can be difficult for me not to dunk on many of the practices 
and belief systems of my past. There are many who go to Burning Man to serve, to give, and to have a good time with friends. They don't care about the ideology, but they do thrive on the permissive environment it provides. I was one of those attendees. A festival goer who avoided practices I considered immoral or just plain gross, and never a burner. So I don't mean to conflate every attendee with a tie-dyed-in-the-wool true believer. The vast majority of people never question their reality to that depth. In fact, they lack the frame of reference to even do so. And as you'll hear from my guests, many people who encountered the Spirit Dream Camp walked away changed in their values and approach. So it's not all set in stone. But with major Burning Man events now being set up around the world, including in Europe and Africa, and attracting tens of thousands of people on their own, I think it's important to describe the event for what it is, and especially what it's becoming. Just like the Amazonian drug ayahuasca is beginning to break into mainstream consciousness, Burning Man will too. Even the former Indy race car driver, Danica Patrick, just posted photos of herself there. So if you don't hear about Burning Man, your kids almost certainly will. Which is why I hope you'll listen carefully to this podcast and learn to think about the event from the perspective of these brave and loving people who went. As you'll hear, I care about them very much. And this episode is a dream come true for me, in part because these were the first four people I ever told about my vision for the Renaissance of Men on the weekend of my baptism two years ago. In fact, it was that very night. So I pray that I can be a living example of the fruit of their ministry. If you enjoy the Renaissance of Men podcast, thank you. If you're listening to the audio, you can watch a video version of this podcast on YouTube, which includes camp photos. On YouTube, you can also check out clips from this show and others. The link is in the show notes. And as is proper for YouTube, if you head over there, don't forget to smash that like button and subscribe. Also, if you prefer to listen to the audio, please leave a rating on Spotify and a rating and review on Apple Podcasts so we can help the Renaissance reach more men and women. Thank you. So it gives me great pleasure to welcome my guests on the two-year anniversary of the Renaissance of Men podcast, one of their first public discussions of their experience at Burning Man, my friends, Rob, Katie, Barb, and Andrea from Spirit Dream. Katie, Rob, Barb, and Andrea from Spirit Dream, thanks so much for joining me on the podcast. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Uh, You know, I... You guys have made such a huge difference in my life. And I think everyone who listens to um, listens to the podcast, listen to my podcast and has heard me on other podcasts has heard me tell the story of how I met you at Burning Man and the impact you've had on my life. So I'm really grateful that you're taking the time to talk with me today and to share some of the stories, um, share some of the stories in the background that even I don't know. We're glad to be here. Yeah. <laughs> so let's, let's start by... Um, by allowing you guys to introduce yourselves. So maybe Katie, we'll start with you and we'll just go, go across and you can share as much about yourself and your story as you, as you'd like to, and then we'll get into the camp and, and, and uh, all of that. Yes. My name is Katie Maza and I'm married to Rob here. And I went to Burning Man for seven years, starting in 2011, ending in 2017. And it was a life changing for me to say the least and a privilege to go. Awesome. Can you share a little bit about your testimony, maybe, if you'd be, you guys would be willing to do that? Yes. Um, my testimony is... Uh, I mean, not, not, you don't have to. If you, you guys don't no, have that's to. fine. That would I, be a little long. Yeah, it would just be a little suggesting. long. 
Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's yeah. true. I know. I know a couple. Yeah. Of them. I will okay. say this though. I uh, Rob started going to Burning Man before I did, and I had some. I wanted to go. I was in full support of it, but I did not have a release to go until 2011 because I needed to face some issues in my own life that would have hindered my um, ability to function in the team the way I needed to, as Mm -hmm. well as to give to um, the people that came to see us Mm -hmm. in the way that would be beneficial. Yeah. See, that's, that's, there's, there's a pretty amazing insight right there. Like you have to be spiritually prepared to go out to, to do ministry like that, which is, so thank you for that. Yeah. Rob? And my name is Rob Mazza, and I am married to this lovely woman. <laughs> and I think what I I like to say, I guess I was the original part of the original seven that went by invitation of an intercessory group um, from um, oh the Midwest, but I think yeah, International House of Prayer, Mike Bickles group. And so their job was just to pray. And then they they found out about us and basically extended an invitation to a bunch of crazy people that would do dream interpretation or spiritual encounters or whatever. So seven of us went in in the earlier, early years. That would be starting 2004. And uh, yeah, those were the uh, plowing in strange and difficult soil years, mm. trying to figure out the culture and having the culture figure out us. And um, I'm really happy to say God came through and we're all in one piece. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. I'm very happy to, I'm very happy to say that too. Yeah. Had some close calls, but we made yeah, it. We made it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, can't, I would like to hear about some of those, but yeah. yeah. Uh, Barb, go ahead. Yep. My name is Barb Owens and I'm actually, I was the, the newest to the team. I, my first year was 2012 and um, Andrea and another friend of ours had extended an invitation for me to be on the team. By the time I came around, there were some real um, good protocols in place for who was allowed to go out with the team and just kind of a screening process to make sure that the people who went out there would do well and not get chewed up and spit out by what was happening out there. So uh, Andrea was actually my sponsor. And um, I had a lot of great reasons why it wasn't the right year for me to go. And then God got a hold of me and really dealt with the real issues, which was lack of faith. Um, and I remember one of my favorite things, I remember telling Rob, like, I, I feel like, you know, what have I have to offer out there? And I remember him saying, I find the soccer moms do really well out there. And I'm like, I can do that. I can go out there and be a mom and, and love on the people that God brings into our camp. So that was kind of what it looked like. And I, I actually went for six years. Um, we all actually retired in 2017. It was the same year that we all felt the nudge that it was our last time going out there. Yeah. Well, was that the year that the man ran into the fire? Did you hear you guys hear about that? It was, oh, it was, was that the same year. year. It was, it was. Wow. But you guys always left on, you guys always packed up and were out by Saturday. Like you didn't stick around yeah. for the burn. Yeah. 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 Right. Yeah. One I mean, of the just, things they learned in the early years was that, uh, by the time it got to that point, we were done. Our yeah. team was done with what we were there for. Yeah. yeah. And I think it's really important that you said that there were protocols in place that, mm-hmm. you know, there were processes and there's a formal structure. It wasn't like you were just going out there to hang out and maybe do some ministry work. Like it was, it was, uh, 
It's a whole thing. I don't want to say it was like a business because it wasn't a business, like in, in, a, in a commercial sense, but it was a like there was formal processes in place mm-hmm. for your for your benefit to run the camp and everything. It was a very serious thing. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, for our protection. Really. Yeah, exactly. In spite of our jovial appearance, there was we were serious as a heart attack. Yeah, yeah, and I, I think that came across. Andrea. Yeah, my name's Andrea Berether. And I started in 2007, went for about 10 years. My story is a little different than Katie's. I um, had never done anything like that before ever in my life. And I grew up in church. So I was in like church world and mommy world when I got invited to go. And God made it clear that I was supposed to go, but it felt like being thrown in the deep end of the pool. And I really wasn't prepared very well, (laughs) but I had to learn to swim really fast. And I went out, you know, very green and very scared. And again, I, like Katie said, it was the most life-changing experience ministering out there. Yeah. Learned a lot. Yeah. Hands down. Let's, let's talk quickly about how the camp came together what the, what the, the genesis of it was, so to speak. And then I'm actually really curious about the sort of things like the chewing up and the spitting out and the processes and the learning, like, like, because from my perspective, like I just go out to Burning Man, you know, in a secular progressive new age kind of world where it's like, oh, Burning Man is a great time. But that was the last time I was there. But I would imagine going in with a completely different worldview, there's a completely different means of preparation that would be, I would would have to think about that now, actually, but I'm, I'm interested to hear your side, what it's like going um, into quite dangerous territory. So let's talk about the origins of the camp and then we'll get into what it was actually like for you guys going there personally and collectively. Yeah. So, um, 2004, as I said, uh, John Paul Jackson, kind of our, our mentor of sorts had this idea that he should send a team in there from streams ministries. I'm part of, and we were all a part of streams ministries. So he had this wild idea that he should throw a bunch of us into Burning Man. And we all looked at one another and said, but there's crazy naked people. There. You know, <laughs> what are we going to do? You know, and confirm. But anyways, we acquiesced because there was no way of saying no to John Paul. He was, he was a nice guy. But when, <laughs> when he saw something on the horizon, he would go for it. And we would just emulate that. So we ended up going and we. You know, we had a, we had a, a background in um, what we call prophetic evangelism. It was a pioneering idea where we would go on the streets and look at people and just ask God for an impression, a download on who they are, where they were going or something. And we would just basically say something like, when I look at you, I see. Mm-hmm. And that's how we made conversations on the streets. And then we started going to New Age fairs and um, a few other events. But Burning Man was a total immersion. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like you can go home or, or go into a hotel room and <laughs> decompress. You had to live mm-hmm. and interact for a whole week. So that was a game changer. And Christianity was definitely in the low, low, low minority numbers there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, if at all, in some in some cases. So, so there we were, and the first year was difficult because people were, they were, it seemed like um, they were testing us. Like some people wouldn't come out of character. 
some people would, you know, we'd say, do you have a dream we could interpret? And then they'd tell us a pornographic dream. Mm. And it was just this trying to figure out this sort of testing thing. And I remember complaining to the Lord about it. And he goes, actually, I was testing you the first two years to see uh -huh. if you would, if um, you would understand the culture mm -hmm. and work with me to find the keys of loving them and working with them. So that was an eye opener for me. Like it, it wasn't just blaming a bunch of crazy people, mm. stressing us out. Mm -hmm. It's far different it was God's plan to get us in the mode of really listening and hearing with our heart, both them and the God that we had to lean on mm -hmm. every stinking moment we were there. So that, that was the big takeaway. And, um, but the, you know, there were bright spots that e even though we were the first two years were kind of like, what was that? We would have these encounters and here's one. I'll, I'll, I'll just share one. There was yeah. a, a woman I was working with and, and I, I think I gave her an encouraging word, something to do with her makeup, how God understood her makeup and her and composition just, as a being. Yeah. Yeah. And Burning Man, you never know the difference. Right? <laughs> People are made up there. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> but we're not making this up. Anyways, so <laughs> so we're, we're going. So uh, she kind of looks at me like, well, that's all well and good. But then she just goes for the, you know, she just goes for the the artery. And she just basically looks at me and, and she says, how come you Christians just think you can speak a scripture and it's supposed to change us. And I'm going, Oh my God, here we are ground zero. Mm -hmm. And, and you know what, what they really wanted was an encounter with Jesus living in us, mm -hmm. look in our eyes and see Jesus. Kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And we didn't fully realize that to, to the degree we do now. But what I ended up saying to her is I need to apologize to you. I said to her, and I said, I need to apologize um, for, on behalf of the church for judging you in what we deem is your strange appearance or strange behavior. And we've missed your hunger. Mm -hmm. God never misses your hunger. And I kind of lived off that little experience for, for quite a while as, as a, a, a ground zero feeling in those early years is not to miss the hunger of the culture in spite of their weird acting out or whatever weird channels they might get in for spirituality. It didn't matter. God was concerned about this hunger that he put in the human heart. Mm -hmm. That they were seeking to fill at that festival, but with um, not the right food, let's say. Yeah, exactly. Just like you. Yeah, yeah. Right? absolutely. Yeah. It was one of the things that impressed me really early on um, in one of my early years was how someone could come in and um, they'd obviously been pursuing in dark streams. And yet there was this almost like clean feeling on them. And it was what I came to recognize was a genuine hunger for truth. Mm -hmm. And they were looking in places where they weren't finding it. Um, but the, the purity of the pursuit was there and it was obvious when we'd meet people like that, mm -hmm. it didn't matter what they looked like on the outside. We could tell that there was something really genuine and true there. 
Now, did you announce early on that you were Christians or advertise it at all? Or it just kind of no. came out naturally in conversation? No. We, we you, know, it, you know, if you look back in the Bible, um, it's, it's kind of like Jesus wouldn't admit, he wouldn't fess up that he was the son of God. You know, he wouldn't fess up to mm -hmm. all the attributes that he carried. You know, it's, it's just, you know, certain instances he would reveal something. And then, you know, that, that famous line he said that Peter answered goes, who do you say I am? He says to his own disciples. Mm -hmm. So a lot of ways we let them figure out by the presence we carry, the peace that was in the tent, the, the light. And they would verbalize these things. They would come and come to the entrance of our tent and say, there's so much light here. Mm -hmm. or there's so much spirit here. Or there's so much peace here. How do you do that? And talk about, you know, a conversation opener. Mm -hmm. For us to, to work with that mm -hmm. is rich. Yeah. We took sort of a taste and see mm -hmm. approach because we, we understand that people in the culture come preloaded with a whole lot of ideas and judgments about Christians and who they are. Yeah. <laughs> so you don't you don't you don't want to come straight out with that and and hit that wall with people. So mm -hmm. we're a taste and see, you know, we, we let them taste of what we had. Mm -hmm. And let the Holy Spirit decide when it was time to reveal mm -hmm. who we really were. Yeah. yeah. I, I think um, the Apostle Paul said it well in Acts uh, 26, 17. He was talking to Agrippa, a, a pagan king, and he's, he's given a defense sort of, sort of to save his life, maybe a defense of who he was, what he was doing. And basically he said, uh, let me tell you my story. And it, so he tells him the story how a, a great light came, it was knocked to the ground, and then a voice came, and it was Jesus. Mm -hmm. And Jesus says, why are you persecuting me? But, but then Jesus gives him a commission, and he says, I'm sending you to the Gentiles. And I think this is what we've embraced, to do this, to open their eyes, and then to turn them from darkness to light. Right. Open there. So it's as Andrew is saying, we're doing eye opening things. Mm -hmm. And it's different according, you know, each person was a little different. Right. Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 I don't think a, a message of sin and repentance would go over so well at Burning Man. Right. <laughs> no, but so I mean, much. but but mm -hmm. the message of love, because I remember being in the camp and I, you may have heard me say this or I may have said it to you guys. I've definitely said it when speaking about the experiences. You know, I'm in this, I'm in this, I don't know what, healing encounter with you guys for what, three and a half hours, something like that. And while that's going on, Barb and Katie, you were there. I'm looking around the tent, you know, like trying to figure out who are these people? Because I didn't see any Buddhas or Vishnus or psychedelic art or anything like that, which is pretty, as you know, pretty usual for Burning Man. You walk into someone's camp and you, you get a sense like, are they, you know, DMT, you know, drug trippies, or are they, you know, you know, some sort of like new Eastern mysticism, whatever. And I didn't see any of that. And that was really odd for me because I couldn't quite triangulate who you guys were. Right. And it was only the, it was only the reveal at the end. It's like, wait, what? <laughs> what are you doing here? Yeah. Right? And so that was a consciously yeah. chosen. I mean, it would have to be right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it was a really beautiful thing too, to see people experience who Jesus really is. Yeah. They have their misconceptions, but to let them experience it firsthand 
uh, it rocked them. And it would, I know, rock me in the encounters to watch them having this encounter for the first time with the true Jesus, with the true God who created them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And then, of course, I I came up to visit you guys for Christmas um, a few months later. Thank you for hosting me, by the way. And um, that visit was probably as powerful as uh, meeting you on the playa. Because I got to see that it wasn't just you just wear this out on the playa for for work. Let's say it's like no, you you live in this way that I'd never encountered other Christians living, mm-hmm. and especially in your interactions with each other and seeing your lives and the and the way you treated me even off even off the playa. Mm-hmm. We, we try, yeah. <laughs> as it should be. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, as it should be. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So so um, how did the camp then from its early days? start to grow? And, and when did you get a sense like, okay, maybe we should be doing this for more than a, a couple of years. Maybe we should start pulling together people from across the country and make it into like a thing. And what did it look like in those early, early days? Like if, if there was just seven of you, you probably didn't have a big, a big tent all set up, or maybe you did. I don't know. What did it, what did it actually look like? And then how did it grow from there? <laughs> we had those, we had those chintzy pop-up things you could buy for I don't know, maybe a hundred dollars a pop, and, mm-hmm. and the wind promptly blew them to shreds the first year. <laughs> but this Go figure. Is, this is where we learned about Burning Man community. We were we were out. We're we're a day camp, so that meant yeah. we would minister, uh, just to the point of exhaustion during the day. Mm-hmm. But at night, we would go out and look at the sights and the art and whatnot. But the wind picked up ferocious winds and dust out there and we came back and all our neighbors were holding our tent poles down and, mm-hmm. and helping us and you know the community is valued and prized there so you know we're taking notes all the time like these people are serious about um, their neighbors you know mm-hmm. feeding one another or taking care of something so 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 from there, I think there wasn't a time that we said we're not coming back from the first time, even though it may have been some difficult testing. There, were, there was enough to say, there's, there's promise here. There are, peop- there are people worth coming back for. So there was never a time we thought we were going to quit. Um, the next year, I think it at least doubled, more than doubled. And then by the third year, it was up to maybe 27 members. Mm-hmm. I thought wow. that was my first year. It was actually 50. 2007. Seven. Wait, so four, four five, or five, yeah, five fourth six. Year fourth year. Yeah, it really went crazy. But wow. it was kind of like um, we, we had to play with how we would bring in new people. And we were a little fast yeah. and loose at time. But then we developed a protocol that you had to sponsor someone. You had, yeah. Someone would vouch for the person they're bringing in and have some accountability. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's, yeah. Yeah. You had to have the measure of character mm-hmm. um, and the heart, mm-hmm. the right heart. And um, well, yeah. Yeah. Actually there was, there was a little formal thing about taking the art of hearing God class from streams ministry mm-hmm. because that covered character being more important than gifting mm-hmm. and and character would also include we would include it now maybe a little broader um a uh, little broader umbrella of do they love well 
Do they understand honor? Do they understand protocol? So all those things were became very important to us. So, so, so this Art of Hearing God class is a 21-hour class that just hits all the raw spots about, about our humanity sometimes. Mm-hmm. So. Go ahead. Kim. And um, going back to the beginning, when Rob went that first year, the first couple of years, uh, as he had said, um, uh, the IHOP people had invited the team to join them. And at that time, that team just handed out water bottles and back then it was bottles of water to passers-by and and would you know mostly do that and then these guys show up and the scene begins to change the whole thing begins to change and and those people then handed it over to Mm. the spirit dream team and they no longer participated in in a physical way and so from that it went to not just handing out water, but getting the encounter tent. And then there was the process of adding the coffee dome and their story line in that as well. But it kind of evolved mm-hmm. one, you know, piece by piece. I totally forgot about the coffee dome. <laughs> yeah. That's like, if, if there are touch points, the first point are, are the people that give out water and just talk to people. And then we have a coffee dome where if you went in there, there'd be a chill space. Mm-hmm. There'd be people to, you know, there's space to talk a little deeper or a quiet, a quiet space yeah. and enjoy your coffee. Some people would spend all day in our coffee dome. Mm-hmm. And then kind of the deep end would be the encounter tent, a 90-foot military tent where we would seat. Um, we would have maybe 10 groups of two or three of our team that would encounter people like, such as yourself. Mm-hmm. as they came in let me do a screen share real quick and because you sent me some photos of the encounter tent and i can pull that up right now and uh, we can take a look for the people um for the people watching on youtube they can actually see the encounter tent can you guys see that uh-huh yeah yep. yep that's the that's the tent and you can i mean and like i was saying earlier you can kind of look around and you know there's nothing you know what is that like a galaxy or an eyeball painting or something like that but there's nothing in there that's like there's nothing in there that's psychedelic or anything like that. It was very, um, it was very, uh, very plain, I guess you would say by contrast, but like, that doesn't, that doesn't mean it was ordinary in any way. And so I just, I think, I'm not sure which end of the tent I was at, but I remember being at one end of the tent. Yeah. By about that time, our, our decor was becoming early Ezekiel. (laughs) <laughs> so, okay so there's there's probably a bunch of things that you're going to have to unpack for a lot of people listening including me so let's maybe let's unpack john paul jackson's dreams ministries and art of hearing god and then early let's like unpack these things just to, because there's this context that i think a lot of listeners even if they're christians won't really have a lot of context for like who is john paul jackson's what is jock jackson what is dreams ministry what did he think about what you were doing in the whole thing so let's maybe back up for a second and talk about that where to begin right yeah where to begin well john paul is now passed away but um streams ministry lives on with a a a new man in charge uh john thomas but um so john john paul was a, a teacher and what we would call a revelatory minister you know he operated in the gift of the prophetic and in in my opinion he was um uh, one of the more principled and 
uh, a man who who walked in character, mm-hmm. which is why personally why I was attracted to him. There was nothing flighty about it, and he could unpack um, the meanings of what it is to live a prophetic lifestyle, or just that everybody has gifts. Mm-hmm. You just got to realize everyone has gifts; they're given from God, and but they need to be developed, and they need to be developed alongside character. Mm-hmm. That, that was his biggest message. He, he would, you know, he would say that over and over again. Uh, so it's it's still alive today. We're, I still teaches teach those courses. There are streams teachers that teach the courses. Understanding dreams and visions is another. Um, very popular and needed course because mm-hmm. all of humanity gets dreams. Yeah. And there are few people that could interpret it with a Hebraic or a biblical background. And so we teach that. Mm. Yeah. It's possible to do that. It's, it's a long learning curve, but it's worth uh, pursuing. Mm. Yeah. That was one of the things that, um, that I think at, at initially attracted me to going through your, uh, tent is because I had done dream interpretation on my own after just a little bit of training in Jungian style dream interpretation, like 15 years earlier. So when I came out to the playa and the guy that I met said, oh, I just came from spirit dream. They do dream interpretation and healing. I'm like, that probably was dream interpretation that hooked me. That was like, that was something I could kind of understand. Like, oh, that mm-hmm. sounds cool. I'll go check that out. Yeah. I still have my art of hearing talk God about book, our menu board? We, we had a yeah, menu please. Board. Do you a have it with you? Menu board. That was kind of your domain up front. Well, yeah, okay. <laughs> I don't want to do all the talking, <laughs> but, but we did, we had a sandwich board. It was kind of like, you know, I had this idea like, well, we're like a um, spiritual cafe. So we need a menu board so they can see what they want. Mm-hmm. And, and it was just a kind of a cheap way to hook people, but, but it works, you know, yeah. we had dream interpretation. We had, um, Encouraging words. encouraging words we had healing i you know help me with healing, the touch. healing, healing touch. touch destiny direction okay destiny direction and then we had spiritual encounter which mm-hmm. became such a popular one we started calling it free fall mm-hmm. uh mm-hmm. <laughs> we thought of metaphors for everything but essentially there are real spiritual experiences that we could back up in the bible but we didn't want to use religious language yes so, and we know the culture is hardwired for healing, inner healing, physical healing, all kinds of stuff. So, you know, the combination of, well, let me back up. We know that the human spirit, we all have a human spirit, and it's hardwired to look for God in some measure. Mm-hmm. You know, pre-salvation, it's, it's kind of dim, but it's still looking because he put eternity in the heart of man. Eternity is not an earthly component. It has to come from God. So we know that people have their radar up. Mm-hmm. And, and so they're comparing our methodologies of healing or encouragement to theirs. And the kind of ambiance, the light around us, the feel, the atmosphere, the peace. And that, that's what worked. You know, they might, have re- they might read the menu board, but then they're in the door and they're going, Oh, wow. <laughs> mm-hmm. How do you guys do that? I, I have this question, like, right off the bat. They'd walk through the threshold, and they go, how do you guys do this? You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I go, well, let's sit down. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I've, I've struggled to, because I, I, I would tell people, 
you know, the whole story in various levels of detail where I showed up at the, at the tent that my, the guy had directed me to at, at my camp and struggling to remember what was actually written on the menu board, because I, I want to say things that, because I don't remember exactly what was written there, but I, I want to say things that were, they were interesting to me, but the language wasn't of any sort of like identifiable new age, Eastern mysticism kind of thing. Right. There was something about it. It's like, I recognize the intention behind these things, even if I don't know what any of the practices are besides, you know, like free fall. Like if I walked up with a free fall, that sounds cool. Or dream interpretation, I know, but anything else like that's, that's, I think the skill that you guys had developed is how to speak in a language that the culture understands, but that isn't the culture's language. And that's, that's <laughs> very yeah. difficult that's to good. do. We're writing that one down. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Yeah. And the, and the truth was, so the way that the, the encounter tent was set up, the reason I said that was Rob's domain is because we had a waiting area at mm-hmm. one end of the tent. So, cause we had a line every day of people yeah. wanting encounters and we could only do so many before we take a break for lunch. And then we'd have a window of time after lunch before dinner, where we could only do so many. So Rob and our other leader, Darren, were in the waiting area greeting people when they came in and they had the menu board there. So they would sit with them and they'd say, you know, what looks appealing? And the whole time they were kind of pinging in the spirit, which of the 10 encounter teams will this person fit with? Where's God directing me to seat them? So like for your encounter, I remember you saying you were sitting there waiting and kind of talking to them and you were looking at the team's which one you thought you might sit with. And you told us you saw our team as Katie and I, and then a man named Larry. And you thought, Oh, I don't want to be seated with that team is the exact team that you got seated with. I know. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, that was kind of, and then, so they would kind of ping where you, the person belong and then bring the person, the burner back and introduce them to the team members. And it was always kind of funny to me because we had our menu board and they would always say, this is so-and-so they'd make the introductions and they're here for destiny direction which we would, you know, take note of. But the fact is, is that uh, Holy Spirit guided every encounter. Mm-hmm. We didn't really know where any of them were going to go. I mean, we flew by the seat of our pants with every encounter because we didn't know what really the person was bringing, what they really needed, but God knew every time. And we learned to just flow with whatever was happening in the spirit. We had to be open to the creativity of God. Mm. Because there were things that he would download, do this. And we're like, do what? (laughs) He would take us all on an adventure. Yeah. And we'd have to figure it out later what just happened. Oh, yeah. Because he was very creative in how he reached people. Yeah. Yeah. I had one encounter my my newbie year where Andrea was the team lead and I was on her team. (laughs) And I won't do all the details of the encounter, but this she was doing this encounter with this woman and I'm watching and I was super impressed because I'm a newbie and I'm just taking it all in. Right. And Andrea just navigates this whole thing with this gal and the gal gets this, you know, incredible experience. And when she leaves at the end, Andrea looks at me and the other gal on the team. She said, well, that was different. And, and I was like, that was the weirdest encounter. I've oh, ever okay. And I said, you've never done that before. No, <laughs> <laughs> but she just flowed with it so beautifully. I'm like, wow, I, you know, take notes, Barb. Andrea knows how to do this and I know, need to know how to do it too. But yeah, yeah, it was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Something that you said, um, the way you said that about the language thing, it mm-hmm. prompted a memory of an encounter that I had maybe second or third year that I went. And I was in, although at the 
latter years that I went, I hung out mostly in the dome. But with you, that time I was in the encounter tent, thankfully. Mm -hmm. But um, so I was in the encounter tent and two two different days, uh, two different teams. I was with two different teams and two women were brought, you know, one woman one day or that morning and one in the afternoon. And it was so interesting because each of those gals had had abortions. Mm. And I had had that experience out of the whole team, the leaders, you know, prompted by the Holy Spirit, brought that, those gals to the team that I was on. And, and Holy Spirit gave me language to be able to talk to them about principles. Because they were born in an age and, and an era where this was natural. And why did, if it was so nat- natural and accepted and the way to do life, then why did they feel so crappy mm-hmm. afterwards, after mm-hmm. having an abortion? What, why did things shift and their lives kind of fall apart? Well, as I said, you know, Holy Spirit gave me language that they could understand and relate to using principles about the creator. And even though man's ways are this, creator's ways are not. And and creator's ways and principles overrule man's ways. And Mm -hmm. so the things that we feel sometimes when we violate the principles of the creator impact us greatly. And they they could really... uh, register with that and it opened the doors for them to get some relief and some cleansing and some healing. I think that's one of the things that, that uh, you guys did so masterfully uh, is you provided that you provided real healing and, and relief and, and release. And, you know, I have that, I have that painting Andrea that you made of Rob hugging that girl. It's around here somewhere. I don't have a digital version, but um, maybe it'll, maybe it'll pop up on my desk somewhere, but you know, that, that you came out and you actually offered that. And you had, you had said earlier, Rob, about Barb coming, like soccer moms do really well out there. Like that was Barb, that was exactly what I needed. You know, even down to the point that like, I didn't have the soccer mom experience with my mom as we've talked about, but you know, my mom's name was also Barbara. And so that was I mean, you know, no coincidences there of being able mm-hmm. to receive. And that was a powerful aspect for me was being able to see an image of the mother that I didn't have. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and be like, wait, this is a thing. <laughs> right. And, and yeah. to the point where yeah. you, I could see in my own life, God's hand at work, putting me right where I needed to be in the same way these girls with you, Katie, you know, had what they needed to, to be able to talk with you from a position where you could relate to their experience and communicate truth in a way no one else really could. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It's a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, so as, as people would, uh, how did this process, this protocol kind of develop like with sandwich board and, you know, obviously you would have had to learn on the go about how this is all going to work, getting a sense of like, well, we should just trust ourselves, trust the spirit to guide us in the right way, flying by the seat of your pants and these healing encounters and not going by any set playbook, set playbook that that all, that all developed over the years, I'm guessing. Yeah. Yeah, it did. I mean, Andrea brought up the word creativity, how creative God is. And I, I think we're more dialed into uh, 
heaven is an extremely creative, innovative place. And there's things we haven't even near tapped into. Mm -hmm. And, but we were being in an extreme environment and basically our go-to prayer was help God. Uh, (laughs) We, we, we get ideas. I mean, we would just get ideas and, and try them. And, and it, also, it was a community united in this quest. And I can't say enough about that, that while we had leadership and sub-leaders, I mean, it, it was an open dialogue of ideas. So anybody could have an idea and we'd go, yeah, that sounds like it has weight on it. Let's try it. You know, so I don't know. Maybe I came up with a menu board. I think I did. I think I had the sandwich board idea. But you know, there's so many details to doing um, this kind of outreach, and everything became an art form: the serving of food, Mm -hmm. and inviting of guests, and who to invite, and um, the kind of music we chose. Katie would come up with a playlist every year of um, basically kind of secular songs that were that were edging into values that we we appreciated you know what mm-hmm. i mean and then mm-hmm. we could we can work with that mm-hmm. you know so when you open yourself up to the creativity of god and doing things differently one idea leads all of a sudden you have two ideas and then you, those two ideas you have four ideas and you have those four mm-hmm. ideas and you have eight ideas and it just mushrooms and there's it's just limitless Mm-hmm. Yeah. the creativity and the ideas that can come. And then when you open that sphere up for God to do whatever he wants to do on that platform of creativity, it's, a, it's blind, mind blowing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There were, there were really? times when we would have the nudge to do something in an encounter that we didn't have the theology for, but we knew it was the spirit telling us, but every time we'd go back to scripture, cause that was always our plumb line and we'd find the principle. Yeah. Uh, cause it's, it was not about going outside of the, the lines to the point where you're violating principle, God's principles ever. Mm-hmm. Um, but there were definitely times by the spirit when, um, we knew what we were to, to do. And then we would have conversations later. Hey, this happened. Somebody help me unpack this. And mm. that was part of the value of team is having the spiritual insight to be able to bounce off of each other and make sure that we were staying in lined up with God's principles. And I think that's really important. And I'm, I'm grateful to hear you say that because I know from uh, I, I know from the encounter meeting you guys and getting to spend a lot of time with you guys in, in Idaho and getting to know you personally, but I've never really asked too many questions about the protocols and practices and, and the discipline that's involved to do something like that and still hold to your principles, still hold to your 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 personal integrity. Not any of you would ever lose that, but you're, you're being pulled in all these different energetic directions, if nothing else. And if only by the overall feeling of the event, I mean, I, and, I, and I've been unable to speak to the amount of discipline that must've gone on behind the scenes to support you collectively and individually in the conduct of that. And maybe you can mm-hmm. speak into some of those things because, you know, it's like deep sea diving. Like you don't mm-hmm. just go swimming yeah. down there. Like you have to build the suits and, a you know, underwater, whatever. So maybe you can speak to that a little bit. Yeah. Um. Well, let's talk about um, one thing that became a bit central to what we did was a father or a mother blessing. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's something I I was doing quite a bit before. I would stand in place for the absent father or the abusive father. And 
sometimes apologize and, or sometimes, you know, just say, um, I'm, you know, I'm not actually your father, but I believe I understand Father God enough to impart something to you. So you have to be very intimate with people. What, you know, you have to hold them close and you have to deal in your mind that, that this physical intimacy is just a by the by. I'm, I'm looking to reach their soul, their broken soul and their spirit that's just aching to be validated yeah. by a simple, I love you. Yeah. I bless you. And to do that, you have to be absolutely clear in your mind, like, um, no, this, I'm not going into any, even though that, that physical proximity is there, I'm not going to go into any fantasy, you know, yeah. about this. There was one significant time. I'll just tell a brief story. It was near the end of the week. We would have what we call popcorn encounters. Mm -hmm. They were very quick because we had such an overflow of people that we couldn't get to during the week. Yeah. So we'd have people hanging out on Friday going, when is it my turn? So we herded them into the tent. And we told our team, you know, pair up, do 10 minutes worth. So, so I'm kind of standing there watching, kind of directing a little bit, but mostly just watching. And they coming, a couple of my teammates. It was come. me. It was you. That's it right. It was me. Yeah. I, we, I, I'll, I'll give the background and then okay. you take your side yeah. of it. So I was teamed up with one of our Swedish teammates, Malin. And this young man came to us and he said that... Um, he was he was struggling with whether or not he was homosexual, mm. but he said every time he had a homosexual encounter, it felt wrong. But yet he was so drawn to men. And right away, we knew what he was looking for was a father. It was he, he was thinking he was homosexual, but what he was wanting was a touch of a father. So we said, yeah. hey, Rob, and brought him over and told Rob. And then Rob took it from there. And yeah, so. And so I'm taking it from there, but I, I just throw a, a, a just a little tidbit here. You know, Jesus came to reveal the Father. Yeah. Because, you know, I mean, he even placed himself under that, to reveal the Father. And so we take this really seriously, that there must be a crying need in humanity for a Father. Mm -hmm. And we, we know that to be mm -hmm. absolutely true now. Yeah. So there I am standing with a short man that's very sincere, very broken, and and, you know, basically, I go, are you ready for this? I'm, I just give him a little spiel. I'm just going to hold you like a dad and, mm -hmm. and speak this blessing. And I, and I bless them from conception. And because God's original design was not that they go astray, but they know his spirit from the beginning. Mm -hmm. You know, so I, I just take them through kind of stages in life and bless them and, and confirm love upon them. And, and, um, Bless their design and their destiny. Bless their their bodies. Bless their souls. Bless their spirits the way God intended. So somewhere in the middle of it, I mean, this is where God really turned the tables on me. I, I do this almost with you know, just by the by, in a sense. Not that I'm not involved, but I I know how to control. <laughs> you know, yeah, it gets very emotional for yeah for two of us sometimes. But this one, I totally. God took me in this different place of almost like, as Ezekiel said, I sat where they sat. I understood his pain to, to such a degree. I wept his tears. Well, as weird as that sounds, I wept mm -hmm. his tears yeah. while I'm holding him. And we're, 
And and I and I actually had this strange thought while I'm there, many strange thoughts. I'm like, God, this is crazy. Uh, it gets crazier all the time. But you know, we're just both sinners, yeah, being smiled upon by a God of great grace and great love. Mm-hmm. Well, I have somehow merged with this massive humanity that's mm-hmm. broken, and uh, it still chokes me up even today. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah so you know and, and then the lord just took me on a little prophetic journey where he's telescoping out from here he goes this is the effects of this kind of thing that people that embrace this we will meet the culture um just the way they are the way jesus did and i could see it telescoping out for for generations this is this is god's way mm-hmm. it was a, just a profound experience mm-hmm. That but, painting's actually hanging on the wall. Should I grab it? Yeah, please. Yeah, please. Yeah, because yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, I've yeah. got the, I, I found, I, I don't have it on my desk anymore. I actually put it up on my wall behind me, but it's, oh. your version will be much better than the, than yeah. the card. Yeah. That, that, that uh, little printout that you gave me, that went around the world with me, by the way. Oh, so, nice. Yeah, yeah. Nice. 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 Oh, it's so lovely. So lovely. Yeah. And that was the, that was the spirit of everything that you did. Right. And that came across. Yeah. And what's, and, and, you know, Andrea, what's so beautiful about that painting that you capture is like, is how um, impersonal isn't the word, but like it's personal, but it's, it's, it's transpersonal. It's larger than personal what's going on there. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's like, it's, she is being embraced by something so much larger than Rob through Rob, right. Mm-hmm. And Rob as well. And, and you really captured that. Yeah. 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 And that, that was a, that was a young lady from, um, well, I don't know. She just came in the tent and her story was her dad passed away when she's two years old. Mm-hmm. And she had this vague memory of her dad. And she just, it was an ache in her heart. Yeah. It was feeling an ache in her heart. And mm-hmm. it really impacted her, um, really impacted her to the point where we sent her um, a a, a copy print. of that print mm-hmm. yeah and she showed it to her family and her family's been praying for her you know mm-hmm. this is whole family and they were like astounded at how god met her in, in a different mm-hmm. sort of way you know so, yeah. i think I, i'll just add something Please. else uh germane to our encounters um burning man changed us as much as it changed every single person that came in there. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 We did not know uh, God could be that big yeah. or that good yeah. Yeah. or that creative yeah. or that anything, name the blank that, that yeah. fits in with the characteristics of God. We did not know yeah. until yeah. we went over the edge and, and said yes to this crazy event. Yeah. And uh, so to me, God reveals himself, uh, you know, greater grace, the greater level of areas of sin. There's great grace available. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, but I think there's few of us, I'll just address the Christians in the audience, there's few of us that have this yes of, I'll go there, just my only parachute is God. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I remember you guys being, I remember being told <clears throat> my first year that we didn't, the team, we didn't go out there with an agenda. 
And I remember thinking you guys are full of it. I'm like, of course we do. We're going out there to you know, save people, you know? Mm. Well, it took me, I don't know, a year or two when I finally really understood Jesus died for all humanity, most of whom won't acknowledge what he did for them. Mm-hmm. What we were called to do when going out there was to just love on people in his name with no agenda, with no needed outcome from it, other than to offer the gift of the love of God in whatever form that took. And then it was God's job then to take the deposit we'd made and do with it whatever was going to happen. It really released off of me any need for, it's not about that. It's not about having to get to you know, the point of salvation or anything like that. I am, I was out there really just giving out of the gifts that he'd given me personally um, and allowing God's love to just flow to these people and to bring healing and the touch of the, whatever it looked like. Mm-hmm. And it was, it is an paradigm shifting experience to, to lay down all agenda and to step into that river of the love of God and just allow yourself to be mm-hmm. swept with it and to do whatever comes out of that place. That was, I think for me, the thing that changed me the most um, we had to, you asked about what protocols we had. Mm-hmm. I had to you, do what uh, my process was like battening down the hatches. There were a lot of things that I was allowed to do, so to speak, or that I did books. I read things I watched, whatever, until I became part of the burning man team. When, you know, God would say, we're not going to, you can't do those things because you didn't even realize the doors it was leaving open. So my process of battening down the hatches and submitting to discipline in some of these areas but the, the reward of being part of that and getting to experience the love of God like that was just, I mean, there's just nothing like it. You're just never the same again after you really just dive in with everything into that, that flow of God's love. Yeah. I just want to validate what you said about um, submitting and really trusting because, um, you know, I came out there and we had such a, a meaningful experience. Then I came to visit you guys and you know, celebrated Christmas with you and, and mm-hmm. ate bear and drank wine and <laughs> you know, listened to music. And, and, and then, um, but you guys, even though we became close friends and kept in touch while I was traveling, you had to wait five years for me to come around. Yes. Literally five years, like Labor Day, Labor Day weekend, 2015 is when we met. And then I flew up to Coeur d'Alene and get baptized. On, well, I didn't fly up there for that. I came up to visit, but, mm-hmm. you know, but five years later, and there was never a point during that time where I, I felt ever felt any pressure or any need or any pull or anything like that. You just, you just loved me for five years while I traveled around the world doing the craziest things. And then I found out later behind the scenes, you guys were praying for me like, Oh, yeah. what is he doing? <laughs> oh, no. But that's a real, that's a real testament, you know, to, to everything that you're saying that just to be so open-handed about it when that can be so difficult. Like my church does um, ministry at, uh, abortion uh, abortion clinics here in Phoenix has a nationwide um, and almost international now ministry for that, and then also with Mormon temples, and they're they're very open about like no you don't you're not actually the one that does anything you know the Holy Spirit you allow the Holy Spirit to work through you and don't personalize it and so I I relate very much to that but then to see that to be able to to be able to vouch for it a thousand percent that I never felt anything other than just you know pure love from you guys. And how powerful and how challenging that must have been for you to want so much for the people that you give to, including me, but not just me, but then having to be like, put it in God's hands. Yeah. Yeah. Love is patient, right? Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. I read that somewhere. Yeah. 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 It's pretty good. Yeah. There were definitely <laughs> times when I was involved in encounters and then releasing them back out to the defilement yeah. of the playa was heart wrenching because you don't yeah. know mm-hmm. what they're going to choose, mm-hmm. but it wasn't our job. Was, we just made the deposit that we were able to make and yeah. get them into God's hands. Yeah. God is, said, God is bigger than previously thought. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, you said a really important word there. You, you said defilement of the playa. Mm-hmm. And that's, that is strong, proper Christian language for what's, for what's going on, right? Because I, I think when I tell people, like, I, you know, I met Christ at Burning Man or he introduced himself to me or however the phrase I use, it, it, it's that um, the people who know about Burning Man, even the, even the gauziest, friendliest videos on, on YouTube you know, show hedonism and maybe not full on debauchery, but you know, it's, it's definitely, we'll call it a very open culture. Right. Mm-hmm. But viewed through, of course, through the secular lens, it's this Shangri-La kind of experience, which we'll get back to, but viewed through a Christian lens, you know, as, as much pain as there is, that's very real about being there. There is a lot of sin mm-hmm. and it, it's hard to, it's, it's, it's impossible to avoid that. And so when you say batten down the hatches, like, yeah, it's all around you everywhere. Mm-hmm. And as much as people really are concerned about their neighbors, your neighbors might have the orgy camp or whatever, right? Oh, They'll hold down your tents in a wind, yeah. but in their yeah. tents. Yeah. Yeah. They might be naked while they're doing it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Oh, hello there. You know, what's really funny about that is the power and goodness of God because we would never address their nakedness as they entered into the encounter tent sit with us we just said well that's god's domain we're not mm-hmm. we're not here to judge their dress or lack of it mm-hmm. but so we get a lot of practice making eye contact <laughs> we're really good at it yeah. but you know they would sit down and this happened so many times suddenly they'd be looking for a covering mm-hmm. for their nakedness and we wouldn't we hadn't said a word you know they'd be looking for a scarf or a shirt or something and, and, you know, it would just kind of amuse us how God would work in that area. Conviction's still alive, no matter how much yeah. they yeah. try to wall it up. Conviction is still be alive. So um, I wanted to give a shout out to uh, uh, Darren Zinn, who was mm-hmm. the present leader, but also uh, Lisa Machek, who co-led with me for That's several right. years, and Reese Saunders and Scott Evelyn, who were the early guys from Street and Set. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they laid some serious tracks mm-hmm. for, for us to grow. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the other thing I wanted to say, you talked about protocols. There was actually a real um, uh, nuts and bolts protocol thing that we learned from the Native American people. Uh, when we first came to Reno, uh, a small church hosted us. And as part of that church, there were a Native American couple and their, their son-in-law and their, their daughter. And they, they came up to us and said, do you want to do protocol tonight? So they did this very formal uh, Native American protocol where they danced. We did a friendship dance. They, they spoke blessing over us. They gave us gifts. They welcomed us into the land. Mm-hmm. And we thought that was spiritual. Mm-hmm. These Native American believers that blew our blew our minds a bit, and then they waited, and so we went to dinner with them, and and they kind of waited for the us to feedback, and so basically we were saying different forms of what was that, and so the answer came back from 
Dan Mosley, who was leading the group, and he said, basically, we did it backwards. When you enter a stranger's land or a tribe's land, you are supposed to introduce yourself and ask permission to enter the land. Mm-hmm. Those, these are the old ways. Mm. And, uh, and then bring a gift. We, we would have a gift exchange. And so after that, for about four years, they brought us around to about four different tribes. And we would meet um, the chief or the tribal chairman and maybe some members of, of uh, the governing body or whatever. And we would buy, you know, buy a Pendleton blanket. We do a very formal presentation and we would ask them for permission to enter the land for, um, and the reason we are doing it is uh, to, in order to speak the message of Jesus, mm-hmm. you know, and w- whether they were saved, pre-saved, didn't matter. They recognized you are doing the old ways of honor. Mm-hmm. And in fact, they're God's ways. You're not just assuming you have the right to come into an area. You know, you're doing the old ways. And we would get the blessing every time. Um, and we, we credit that with putting a whole different level of blessing on us, both um, as the, um, the gatekeeper people that God had there originally. And, mm-hmm. and also the blessing of the land. The playa. The, yeah, the, just the land in general. You mm-hmm. know, the, the, these were ancient lands owned by the Paiute people, mm-hmm. and um, so there's there's plenty of scriptures in the Bible about the land, how the land actually is meant to uh, give us life, cooperate with the sons of God, and and such. So uh, that's a whole another layer. That that would be another conversation, but. Men, I'll cut right to it. There's probably something missing from your life, and I bet you don't even know. And that is a mission or purpose. A mission is more than a job, a career, or even a vocation or hobby. It's bigger than that. It's a godly pursuit that underlies all your most significant thoughts, words, and actions. If you seek to lead your family and your household, your purpose is the direction you're leading yourself in, and therefore your family undertakes the journey with you. Your purpose takes you beyond yourself, challenges you to expand your self-concept, confront your fears, acquire new skills, forge durable bonds of friendship and brotherhood, and most importantly, helps you contribute to the rebuilding of civilization. If that sounds too good to be true, it isn't, because your purpose is a gift. But here's the catch. To receive that gift, you must be ready for it. And that is the nature of my coaching. I'm a man who has been blessed with a purpose, and it's more than just this podcast. I've got something I'm working on behind the scenes that I know you're going to love, and pursuing that purpose has taught me the secrets of what it takes to cultivate the purpose. Now I want to pass it on to you, and to do that, we have work to do. Email me at info at renofmen.com to start the conversation and schedule a free 30-minute consultation. Mention the code word PURPOSE, and I'll offer 10% off a 12-week package. I'll also let you in on my top secret purpose behind the scenes so you can see that I know what I'm talking about. Once again, email me at info at renofmen.com and mention the code PURPOSE to get 10% off a 12-week package. I started the Renaissance of Men to help men become the best versions of themselves through self-knowledge. If that sounds like you or the version of yourself you want to be, 
email me and let's get started. So I wonder, so for those of you who uh, who showed up in the later years, maybe Barb or, or Katie, I'm, I, I, I had this image in my mind of, so you've heard about the Spirit Dream Camp and maybe you've seen photos and I would still like to go through some of the photos, but you heard about the camp. And so you finally take the leap to go for the first time. And so you're in the RV or, or in the car or whatever, and you're actually going into the land of Burning Man. And you drive up and you're seeing like the welcome home kind of sign. You're going through the whole ritual. Like, just walk me through that moment of like, you're actually venturing into the place that you've heard about. (laughs) (laughs) Well, by the time I went, of course, I had heard the stories about going into the gate, the welcoming committee there. And so I was, I was actually anticipating that with great delight. Mm-hmm. getting down in the playa and doing dust angels and all that. And so it was really quite exciting. I'll tell you, though, when we got the camp up and running uh, that very first year, Rob did not go that year that I went because oh, wow. he, was, he took the year off. He and Lisa had handed over the leadership of the camp to Darren. Mm-hmm. And so they thought it best that for him to get um, off to a good start, they would stay back mm-hmm. and allow him to run. And uh, which is a beautiful thing because then they, well, Lisa didn't come back, although she wanted to, but a job took her away from that. But Rob was able to come back and do that successfully. So that's another example of uh, a transition in leadership that worked successfully in this arena where Rob could come under rocket and um and work successfully with him but anyway i went when rob didn't and so with this whole change of leadership there was a lot of changes to the team and i'm just coming on new and um so there was a lot of things that i didn't understand until later you know nuances of changes in leadership and i was as supportive as i could be um but there was a time when i was in the the um the coffee dome and so that was i they were kind of putting me here and there and so i was in the coffee dome and they had prepped me a little bit that people would give you gifts maybe they'll give you stones and so on Mm -hmm. because it's a giving culture and and you know be sure that you look at them and discern our what you need to do with them do you keep them and and pray over them and cleanse them or do you throw them away and this sort of thing so this happened and uh, and the, somebody gave me some little stones and I felt like they were defiled. Mm. And but I was new, you know, all of this was c- kind of new to me. And so yeah. I went to um, one of the people, in the, the leaders in the dome and I and it was almost like she didn't even recognize me. She looked at those and and she could feel that defilement and told me what to do. But it was almost like that defilement almost closed off who I was to her almost. It was really an interesting, interesting exchange. And I got rid of the stones and cleansed and all of that, but it really um, instructive for me. It was quite, Mm -hmm. quite. And so that from that experience, that one experience, and I went on and I didn't, I was pretty clear about 
receiving gifts and what to do with them. But that first, the initial one, that breaking the ice in that arena, so to speak, was quite, um, a w- well, striking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How are you going to know, right? Like there's so much to yeah. figure out as you get on the ground about yeah. how the whole thing works right down to the weather and the, and the yeah. dust and the people, like someone hands you some rocks, like that's not going to be the first thing on your mind. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 And so when I, by the time I came around, the protocols were pretty well established. So I know there was some years prior to me coming that were pretty wonky. I've heard the stories, but um, I started in 2012 and I just felt really covered. I mean, Andrea was mm. my official sponsor, but I had all these guys. There was, I don't know, eight of us or something like that, that went from North Idaho at the time. And so I just kind of like held onto their coattails and went along with things. And if there was anything that felt off, that was the beauty of the structure is my first point of contact. If I didn't understand or whatever would be my sponsor would have been Andrea, but I knew, cause we were already doing ministry together up here. We had a dream interpretation ministry that we'd been doing already for a few years together. Um, our whole team, I just felt that real sense of covering, but that was kind of my grafting in. So I had a little bit of an easier on-ramp on that front. I wasn't as concerned about the spiritual aspect of it. I was more a big baby about the dust (laughs) and the discomfort and true confession. Yes. I dodged the rolling in the dust at the gate. My newbie year. I was like, I didn't have to do it either. I didn't want to. I'm like, I'm not doing that. I didn't do it. You didn't? No. How did you get out of it? You just oh, like my. say no? no I don't know. We, we basically lied and then repented later. We, we, just, uh, we, 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 told, we told them we were so shocked that two bikini-clad women with skulls tattooed down their yeah. backs entering our bus. And, and we're looking like we came out of the 4-H club. Not LLB. understanding costumes. You know, we're we're going. Oh yeah, we're cool. We've been here before. Yeah. They just thought you liars. <laughs> just play it cool. Yeah, yeah. But I, I had uh, it was it was a good thing going in feeling that covered. Uh, but for me, um, I had to be kicked out of the nest a little bit um, mm-hmm. because I was I was afraid to step out and wasn't speaking up. Like so, the I remember one encounter I had, and there were three people on the team, and. Um, it was a, a young woman and I felt like she needed a mother's blessing, but mm-hmm. I wasn't going to do it. Right. I'm a new, oh. I'm just learning and pass. So, right. So the other two people in the team, they gave her this encounter at the end of it. I turned to the team lead a woman named Deborah and I told her, you know, I kind of mm. felt like this. And she said, you, you need to speak up more. She said, if you feel something like that, you can whisper in my ear um, and that was, she was going to, she'd give me the guidance so that I wouldn't derail and do something stupid. Right. Well, I was kicking myself. I was so mad at myself because I knew this girl needed the love of a mother mm-hmm. and I was feeling it in my heart and I didn't extend it. And I was really upset with myself. And so I just prayed. I was like, you know what, God, she, I know she needs this and I missed the boat. And anyway, I just had to entrust God with it. Um, this is a great testimony about the synergy of the spirit that our camp operated in. So <clears throat> that night at dinner, we had dinner and then I go up to the station where we're washing our plates and I overhear one of our other teammates, Rochelle, who actually is one of our Idaho teammates, talking about this young gal who came into the coffee dome. She had mm-hmm. had an encounter and she was really undone by her encounter. And so she went into the coffee dome. 
just to process, which was really common when people would do that a lot. And God highlighted this gal to Rochelle and she went over and sat with her and um, held her and blessed her as a mother. And all I started crying right there at the dishwashing Mm -hmm. station because it was like, God had, God had it. God was more invested in her getting that blessing of a mother than I was. I was invited to be part of that, but God had my back and had this young gal's back. And boy, what a testimony to the synergy of the spirit um, just between the encounter tent and the coffee dome. There wasn't the communication going back and forth verbally between us, but boy, the spirit made it known what was going on in those places. And if one needed to pick up where someone else left off. Mm-hmm. Uh, so great uh, learning experience for me in that and yeah. faith, faith builder too. Yeah. And how often did that work with the body art? I was oh, just yeah. going to say yeah. that okay, we, one, of the, <laughs> one of the things on our menu board was inspired art. Mm-hmm. And so we had <laughs> artists who had actually asked God for a prophetic picture and they would paint that mm-hmm. somewhere on the person's body. And then they would prophesy to them about that body art mm-hmm. and it would speak right into their heart, just like an arrow. And so often there was such a synergy between um, the, the different aspects of our camp mm-hmm. is that person then would go and have a regular encounter, like um, go from the coffee dome where they had body art and then go into the encounter tent. And the people didn't see their body art that just got painted, but they would have the same exact word. Mm-hmm. that they were just given with the with the picture and then they would show them oh my gosh yeah what they just painted on me yeah mm-hmm. and vice versa that would happen yeah. you know they would go to encountered first they'd get some incredible word and then they'd go get body art and she would she would paint exactly mm-hmm. what she the person just encountered without yeah. knowing it, yeah. it was fantastic oh, we, uh, i had a great story actually katie and i were on a team together and this was um early on and i remember you'd gotten a picture of this gal that she was like a, um, a water jug, but there was a crack. And so it was like mm-hmm. all this stuff in her just was like leaking out. It was a pitcher and it just kept leaking out. And it was, and so it was a healing journey that we took mm-hmm. her on to heal this place in her heart where it was, it was not a good leaking out. I can't remember the exact gist right. of it. So she goes from our encounter into the coffee dome, doesn't share what the encounter was. And Mita, the um, uh, team member in there who was painting on her, painted a water pitcher on this gal's arm. Wow. No crack. Yeah. And not knowing what had happened. And we heard about that later and it was like mind blown. Like, yes. (laughs) And she, her mind was blown. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It was great. I had to do that. I've actually got the picture of the coffee dome here. Let me share it real quick. Yeah. And a bunch of pictures actually. It's here we go. That's the coffee dome, right? Yes. Yes. You got the speakers and the DJ set up. What was that? No DJ. We just had no, yeah. speakers with music. Got it. Yes. Okay. I created a, a, the music, the playlist, and we would just play. It was a, I had a new, several playlists that I could play during the day. And uh, we played that as a variety of music. We did have a real, we had a lot of wonderful encounters in the dome, the coffee dome. One, I think we all remember is there, and of course, the coffee dome, we pray through it and cleanse it and so on, but still things get through. And on, sure. there was one day when there's one spot, one specific area in the coffee dome that was attracting licentiousness and um, naked behavior. Uh, yeah, and kind of sens- <laughs> sensuality <laughs> kind of things. And, yeah. and so we had to monitor all that, of course. And so 
we're going, hmm, there's something up here. And so uh, one of the gals had, maybe it was was Rochelle, I yeah, forget I who it was. was. Rochelle had the sense of, um, we need a, a mom. No, no, no. She, she went, she, she tried all of her tricks. Okay. Didn't know what to do. And right. so she went to our kitchen lady named yeah. Amphora and said, please come help us. This is what's happening. We don't know what to do. And so Amphora goes into the dome and she's like praying, going, God, what am I supposed to do? I don't know what to do. And as she walks into the dome, she hears the Lord say to her, children don't like to sin in front of their mothers. And so she felt like she was supposed to release a mother's blessing over that spot. And so she did that. She released a mother's blessing over that spot. And the licentiousness never happened again. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. A creative solution. Yeah. 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 I think this was one of the things that I remember being really struck by is, you know, for me, spending all the time in secular, progressive, new age, whatever, mystical culture, you know, the perception of energy is very real. Right. And then, and it, once you, once I got a, an understanding of that, it's not something that I could ever forget or deny was a real, was a real thing. Right. And so, um, and so I think what you guys did so well is you had that awareness, you had that understanding, which gave you uh, not only the ability to have spiritual insight into what was going on around you, but also to communicate with people from the mm -hmm. culture about this phenomenon that usually gets dismissed by so many other people, that mm -hmm. you can actually feel energy. Things can be invested with the energy of, of someone or something or an act or something like that. But a mm -hmm. lot of people don't have that, um, that sense. And so mm -hmm. for you going out to Burning Man, if you don't have that sense, you don't develop your, that sense, you'll be in real danger because it's real. Mm -hmm. And then also for people that are looking to communicate on that level um, about this way that they have of perceiving reality quite accurately, not always, but sometimes quite accurately, you know, it, it, you can meet them on the level that they're at, especially, especially me to be able to understand that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. the coexisting spiritual realm is very real. Yeah. in both kingdoms yeah say more say more about that Un unpack yeah. I, yes and yeah yeah well well you know and i i prefer to <coughs> excuse me put the put the weight on the kingdom of light god's kingdom yeah because we all know too well how people get afraid of curses and and things that satanists and witches might do but um listen in God's kingdom, a curse causeless shall not come. You know, scripture shall not land, you know, mm -hmm. um, unless there is a cause. And then, but we have the out of repentance, you know. Mm -hmm. And we also know that who's given us all authority over all works of the enemy, you know. Mm -hmm. So we don't have to be subject to that. We can change the atmosphere. Mm -hmm. We can change the curses on ground, but we could also change the curses over people. Mm -hmm. And we don't have to live with that stuff. And when there's an intentionality of 35 people on a team and, and a big yes, in other words, we're agreed in faith. Mm -hmm. That's a big yes. It's easier to operate that way. Mm -hmm. You know, we're not wading through a mass of unbelief. One of the, one of the unfortunate things about um, many of our Christian circles is there's a lot of unbelief as to what God can do or who yeah. he is. Yeah. So it's very hard to wade through a wall of unbelief. And Jesus, you know, there's several times when he had to take out the people that didn't believe with 
I think it was his mother-in-law, to heal the mother-in-law and said, you people leave, you're interfering with the ability to heal. Mm-hmm. And then there were whole cities that Jesus couldn't go because they did not, their unbelief was so strong. Mm-hmm. And you know, if your unbelief is really strong, then you must be believing in something else like fear. <laughs> right. So that's not good. Right. right. Peter's mother-in-law. Peter's mother-in-law. I'm not sorry. Jesus's mother-in-law. <laughs> I was going to ask. I was like, do I say it? No, nah, that's fine. Yeah. They've got it. Yeah. Boy, that's bad theology. Yeah. <laughs> I don't remember which book that was in. Yeah. Yes. Hezekiah 14, 29. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, uh, we just know that it's it's our privilege and joy to change, call it change. That sounds strange, but change the atmosphere. Mm-hmm. You know, if it's dark, we come to bring light. In fact, mm-hmm. we are. Right. the light of the world, just our presence. So when, when we personalize that and be very intentional, because Jesus said it, you're the light of the world. Yeah. What does that mean? That means you are radiating something that changes the land, the atmosphere, the people around mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. We were also very intentional about um, creating the atmosphere within our camp mm-hmm. where the presence of God would be the, you know, the fullest. And that, that's also part of the story of, you know, the progression of things mm-hmm. is the art because Burning Man is an art festival. And the first few years I went, we were, you know, the ladies in the, in the camp were just decorating the tent with some pretty fabrics and, you know, just kind of throwing it together. But God put it on my heart about my third year to be more intentional and create something specific. And he put it on my heart to do a tree of life. And so he gave me the download of how to do that, how to create this tree of life with these, you know, branches and leaves hanging down and everything. And it absolutely transformed the atmosphere that was in that encounter tent, just like uh, when God gave specific directions with his tabernacle or his temple, he, he had all kinds of specific art he wanted created in there. And then it was a place for him to dwell. And when you, go through that intentionality to partner with God, with his creativity, what do you want to release in this space artistically, mm-hmm. then his presence comes and, and it just transforms. We call it atmosphere design. And by the time you came along, we had done the tree of life for four years and God gave us a new theme, which was the, the visions of Ezekiel. Mm-hmm. So you came in to whirlwinds and rainbows and creatures with eyes all around and, <laughs> A lot of strange images. Wheels um, within wheels. Wheels yeah. within wheels. Yeah. yeah. That was um, what I needed. What I needed to see. Say more because you had mentioned early Ezekiel Ezekiel earlier in the conversation. Early Ezekiel. Yeah. 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 And sort of, you know, what if the very images from the Bible that God tells us to do, what if there's a whole power and ability to shift directions or motion? There's a lot of motion in, mm-hmm. you know, this is just get people thinking, you know, what if, because again, that coexisting spiritual realm is because the veil is rent and we have access to the heavenly realm of God. Um, these things become more real to us. It's, it's more than fabric and color. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. You, you had an encounter with that face of Jesus. Yes. Uh-huh. I did. Yeah. <laughs> Wearing goggles. <laughs> yes, yes, he did. <laughs> That's the wild part because it, you know I I I tell the story and it would be easy 
easy it would be easy to dismiss what i saw if it was just if it was just a face from a painting like thoughts can be transferred between people right like you could be standing behind me katie or maria had your hands on either side of my head and you could be concentrating on the face of jesus and maybe i'd pick up on it right like a carbon copy but that wasn't what it was it's like a man walked up to me wearing goggles like wearing burning man goggles to protect himself from the dust like mm-hmm. what do you what do, what do you even I don't know, what do I even do with that? Like, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. And that was part of like the the face, the four faces. That was part of what Ezekiel saw. That was part of your your decorative shift. Let's say. Yeah, it was the living creatures with the faces. So the face of an ox, the face of a lion, the face of an eagle, and the face of a man. Mm-hmm. And you know, it doesn't say in there that the face of a man is the face of Jesus. But I decided when mm-hmm. I painted that to use Akiana's painting of Jesus as my model. Mm-hmm. And it was just a sketch. It wasn't like a full painting. It was just a sketch of a man's face. But you're not the only one that recognized it as Jesus. There was another woman that came in and came to my my encounter group one day and she wanted deliverance. She asked, she plain out said, I have two demons. Can you get rid of them? <laughs> said, oh yeah, yes. we can we can do that. If we're going to do that, I need to use the name Jesus. Is that okay with you? And she said, oh, yes, I recognized him when I came in. I saw him on that thing. Over there. <laughs> I'm like, wow, <laughs> I never said that was Jesus. It was it was apparent. Yeah, it was a, I could kind of tell it was Jesus, but I still remember, Katie, I asked you. I yeah, you asked sure. me, is that Jesus? <laughs> I knew it, but I was like, okay, I don't want to walk out of this moment. This is the thought that was going through my head is I don't want to walk out of this moment. And then later be like, okay, maybe that was some guy who was the founder of the camp or something like that. Some human, some, some other person. Right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I wanted to make sure. So that's why I asked. Do you have that picture? Will in the the lineup of pictures, do you have that picture of you in front of the the face of Jesus, that banner? Oh yeah. I'll pull it up right now. Let's see. Whoever had the camera got some great pictures. Oh man. Let's go through. Yeah. So this one, right. This one of, of me on my knees. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And my, and you can see, like, you can see the dirt on top of my head because I bowed my head down and you can see the dust on my feet and everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 And then when I took the picture with you, the, which I can see there also, I asked if you wanted to wipe, because I said, oh, you've got some playa dust and you said, no, I want to leave it there. Yeah. Yeah. The one right above there. Yeah. This one. Yeah. Yeah. You can see it on your face. Yeah. 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 No, I don't want, and the, and the, and the gifts that you guys gave the necklaces I'm wearing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You guys made those for the people who came and you also gave me a playa name. I never, I hadn't, I'd been three times and I hadn't been given one before. Yeah. Oh, what was it? Oak. What was it? Oak. 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 Yeah. Because mm-hmm. you were like a strong oak. Yeah. Yes. I was a, I was definitely a different version of myself back then as well, which I think you'd probably see in the photo. Oh yeah, yeah. totally. Mm-hmm. Very yeah. different. And then, so this, and you've got this, you've got this photo here. What's this? Um, this is Barb. This is you with somebody. Yeah. Mm-hmm. At home yeah. with mother's blessings. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Loving on a burner. Mm-hmm. And so as, as the, so here's some, you have some photos of Bernie and this is what the, you know, oh, there's, there's the man. I don't know what year that would have been, but the man was still on the ground. So I guess it was right. probably 2000s somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. And then there's the man again. Oh, that was the Da Vinci's. That's Da Vinci's. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Da Vinci's workshop. Da Vinci's workshop. Yep. Oh man. Yeah. I mean, I think for people who haven't been before, 
like there's a lot of infrastructure that goes into Burning Man. And yeah. one of the things that I wanted to say earlier was that, you know, if you were doing ministry at a place like um, North Korea or China, like those countries, you know, and the, the cities in them, they're fixed in, in place and they don't go anywhere. Beijing is not going anywhere, right? You can yeah. go there and it's, it's consistent um, from year to year, day to day, hour to hour. But Burning Man really only exists for the public for one week out of the year. And it's constantly changing. And it's very much, while there are a lot of principles that stay the same, it's also a moving target, mm-hmm. right? To be able to, be able to. so when you, when you talk about going into the culture, like, yes, there, is, there are consistent aspects of the culture that are durable from year to year. But mm-hmm. at the same time, every year you went in, I imagine you went into somewhat very different environments, with, especially as it grew. Like if you were there from 2002, sorry, 2004 to 2016, I went in 2003. So I know what it was like back then. And then I came back in 2013 and I met you in 2015. But that 10-year period, I went through inflationary growth. I remember in 2003, it was like 30,000 people. You could walk the whole festival and didn't need a bike. When I went back in 2013, forget walking anywhere. And the and festival was like 60 or 80, it doubled in size. Mm-hmm. So what was, like, what was that like being on the ground year over year, watching the festival grow and change, kind of become that moving target Shangri-La? Yeah, I don't know. We just sort of, we were just ourselves. You know, we didn't, <laughs> That's true. Yeah, we just rode with it. It's like you said, if you wanted to go look at it, when it's 80,000 people, it's a lot different. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I will but, say, though, that, I mean, as, as a believer who sees what sin does to people, it, is, it was very disturbing to see the growth, mm-hmm. to see yeah. how that was spreading. and the lawlessness that was being bred mm-hmm. out there and yeah. then mm-hmm. also being taken from burning man out into the world. Yeah. It's, it's grieving. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's true. Cause there was an intentionality too, that we were aware of by the burning man leadership to do forums across the world and to kind of spread that sort of gospel mm-hmm. of uh, yeah. The gospel of burning man, so mm-hmm. to speak. Yeah, so that's happening. That, the weight of evil was growing. So, okay, talk, let's 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 talk about that for a minute because I remember when I went out in 2003, and the festival had kind of this wild west kind of spirit. But there was like a when I say there's a lawfulness, you know, at least everyone's like we don't really know what we're doing. So here's some fire and here's some plywood and here's some crazy kind of lasers and art. Like cool, yeah, it's fun. But when I went back in 2013, it felt like the festival had quote gone pro. Right. Mm -hmm. And then there was a solidity to it. And there was a permissiveness. There there was a darker permissiveness to it. Like the Wild West has a permissiveness. But I would say it also had a a sense of like experimentation within defined boundaries somehow. But then it felt like 2013 that it flipped. And I don't know how to articulate it, but I did feel that the evil had grown quite significant and only Mm -hmm. continued to from 2013, 2015 up until up until the present day like talk about that experience because that's the that's the the discernment that i'm trying to have is like i don't think everything there was all bad all the time but it certainly felt over time there was more bad more of the time as the years went on sure Mm. yeah well i can say as i've i'm i've always been a very sensitive person to atmospheres to what's in people you know i'm i'm a feeler and yeah So I have to say in the 10 years I went, 
I grew so much, but every single year I would enter the playa and be, you know, my senses were accosted by what was out there. And so as we'd be setting up our camp, I'm like, Oh God, why am I here again? (laughs) (laughs) And then, you know, by the time we get Mm -hmm. rolling with the ministry, then you're, you know, you're refocused on why you're there again. And, you know, and the grace of God comes over you, but yeah, you have to deal with that. You have to deal with that. Yeah. Well, if you look at the 10 principles that Rob's got them printed out here, the 10 principles of Burning Man, I remember reading that before I went out the first time. And really, they've got some pretty altruistic principles that mm-hmm. the, the event was founded upon. Yeah. But um, what ended up happening is it just degenerated into a big orgy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So by the time we retired in 2017, uh, the tide had turned to the point that even the true burners, like the people who'd been around for a long time since the beginning of it, they were having a hard time with the direction that it had gone because it they'd gotten away from this kind of radical generosity, radical community. I mean, the the, the principles, essential core principles are not ba- a bad thing, but mm-hmm. what got built upon that was just yuckier and yuckier as they just got darker yeah. and darker as the years went on. Yeah. It's almost I mean, as if the, the principles were went by the wayside uh, and that people going really didn't consider them that much. Yeah. It seemed like to me it was more like, oh, we're going to Burning Man and we're going to let anything fly. Yeah. Throw off all inhibitions and just, yeah. Yeah. you know, dive into all the sin, yuck, you know, that they yeah. wouldn't do in normal yeah. life. Yeah. yeah. I remember one <clears throat> one year there was a group of, Irish, young Irish uh, kids that had, I think they had graduated high school, whatever that is over there, and kind of were young, beginning college when they, a group of them came over. And one of the things that they were going to do while in the States was go to Burning Man. It's mm-hmm. like, you know, it had grown worldwide to that kind of a, oh, let's go to Burning Man and, you know, let experience anything and everything. And it, I, I don't think any one of them really uh, um, would say they they could quote any of those principles. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't why they were there. Yeah. 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 Can you read the principles real quick, just so everyone knows what they are? Um, <clears throat> Want to read? Sure. So, um, radical inclusion. Mm-hmm. Uh, no stranger. You know, got. We we worked under when when we the first year we were there we were with IHOP and the leader Randy Bolander, he was actually a pastor and he actually befriended um, Larry Harvey Larry Harvey the mm-hmm. the founder visionary he befriended him I mean they became buds and there was a video that came out called Pastor on the Playa they interviewed him and and he went and said you know God can work with any of these principles yep and so. The bigger thing, as I read these, is choice on how you do that. Mm-hmm. Do you put God at the center, or do you put your own desires at the center? So radical inclusion. Next one is gifting. We're all about God's greatest gift. We're all about gifting. Uh, decommodification. Um, in order to preserve the spirit of gifting, our community seeks to create social environments that are un mediated by commercial sponsorships, transactions, or advertising. And I remember in the early days, you had to even block lettering like U-Haul on a trailer. Mm-hmm. They didn't mm-hmm. want any commercial thing at all. 
uh, radical self-reliance. <laughs> Burning Man encouraged individuals to discover, exercise, and rely on their inner resources. Radical self-expression. Mm -hmm. uh, unique, recognizing the unique gifts of the individual and no one is like you and you should have liberty to exercise that. Well, you can see where that can go off the cliff or yep. produce beautiful art, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. Communal effort. Our community creates cooperative cooperation and collaboration. We strive to produce, promote, and protect social networks, public spaces, works of art, methods of communication. Civic responsibility. We value civil society. Community members who organize events should assume responsibility for public welfare. Makes sense. I'll read that again. You, you broke up for just a second. God created the plan. Yeah. Leaving no trace was that. Leaving no trace. Leaving no trace. Yeah. Yeah. They're participation. That yeah. Our participation is committed to radically participatory ethic. And uh, I only wish churches were more like this. Yeah. <laughs> you know? mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All in. And then immediacy. Uh, immediate experience is in many ways the most important touchstone of value in our culture. We seek to overcome barriers that stand between us and recognition of our inner selves, the reality of those around us, participation in society and contact with a natural world exceeding human powers. No idea can substitute for this experience of immediacy. Yeah, I mean, you can see Not how, the, yeah, I mean, they're, they're, they're good for what they are, but definitely it's easy to see how you could build anything off of that, especially the what is radical self-expression, because my experience of going to Burning Man from secular culture was that at least by 2013, 2015, it had become that however you choose to express yourself is, is innately spiritual and therefore good. So if you want to go out there and you want to, and, and you can be whoever you are in, in the everyday life, and then you go out to Burning Man, you go, quote, home, right? Home was where you belong, not the 51 weeks out of the year, but that one week out of the year, you're home. And then you go out to Burning Man. And then if you want to walk around naked and paint yourself blue and get into orgies and do all the drugs and, and do all the stuff, that is your self, that is your radical self-expression. Your self-expression is inherently spiritual. And if inherently spiritual, it is inherently good. Mm -hmm. And that that definitely grew. And even to the point where it became almost expected. Then, you know, back in 2003, I remember you didn't have to dress up. If you did, cool. You know, it was encouraged. But by 2013, 15, there was like a uniform. It's kind of expected that you had a furry vest. And if you're not doing that, then you're not properly participating. So it was like almost this real subtle air of shaming around like, no, you're supposed to be crazier. If you're not crazy, you're not at Burning Man. It's like, why do I got to be that? I don't want to be that way. Like, mm -hmm. I'm here for different reasons. But it almost it almost tried to start pulling the worst out of people, and I think it succeeded in many ways. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for for an art community, who said we all have to look like a Mad Max movie? Yeah, right, steampunk, no. whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who said that was the standard? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So as you guys you guys would do your your ministry work during the day, what was it like when you would go riding around at night? Like I, I knowing what we've talked about that. The day is full of so many protocols and so much spiritual cleansing and so much keeping of yourself safe within your own God-protected space. Then you really venture into the, the heart of darkness in some ways. 
the night at Burning Man would become. Oh, we you didn't would stay choose from- where we went. We yeah, yeah, we were careful. Well. Yeah, we wanted to see the cool art. We didn't go into the dark, dark places. We, yeah, okay. we just stayed away from that. Yeah, yeah. we. I, I remember one year going to see. We typically we'd want to see the man and maybe see the temple. Um, yeah. And the one year it was a carnival. I don't remember what the theme oh. was, but it was a carnival. Carnival of mirrors. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, carnivals are already creepy enough, and then you throw the Burning Man element at it. Yeah. And we went to see the man, but it was a maze that you had to go through. And we didn't realize we got into it and it got darker and we'd always travel in groups also yeah. we didn't go anywhere alone. Um, and then um, we realized uh, actually this is too, too far, too dark and trying to get out of there. Um, I kind of started to panic. I was like yeah. looking the walls were so tall. I was thinking, can I climb that? Like I wanted out so yeah. bad because it was just too far. It was too dark. So we were, we were careful where we went and right. Uh, yeah. Plus, I don't know, it was it, every night was different, but usually when I would only go out maybe once, maybe twice uh, on the playa at night because I wanted to see the the cars and the and like they said, the, the man and so on. But I, you know, once I saw that, it was like, OK, well, I'm just good with chilling mm-hmm. yeah. in our camp and sitting yeah. around and chatting with people, drinking some wine and. Oftentimes we were so yeah. exhausted yeah. by Impressive. the end of the day because yeah. we had been ministering heavily yeah, like, all day. Yeah, all day. Yeah. I didn't want to go out. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I went out once just to see the cool things and then yeah. I would yeah. stay at home yeah. and rest. I'm an old guy. I want to go to bed at nine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. By my last couple of years, I didn't go out at night anymore. It was yeah. just I'd had I enough. Didn't, I didn't. Yeah. I don't think I went out the last well, year. Well, there was a couple of times when um, a couple of our team members, their son had an art car yeah, and he would take us out. And that was different because yeah. we were yeah. all together on this car and yeah. it, it just felt a lot more protected. So that was fun. But- now there was one year when uh, just down the street, not too far from us, um, there was a little camp that was showing these old movies. Mm-hmm. And, and we did venture down there and watched uh, Princess Bride. Princess Bride, Monty <laughs> Python, the whole, it was a quotable yeah. movie. So the yeah. expectation yeah. was that you could quote it the entire movie if you wanted to, yeah. which was so okay. fun. That was fun. Yeah. 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 That's... There were a couple of camps we would find that were lighter. Yeah. Uh, and there, there was a, a wine camp down the way a yeah. couple of years yeah. and they had like cornhole and hula hoops. And, <laughs> um, but that was pretty clean. Camp I think, too. you know, the bottom line is if you give people a freedom to do whatever they want to do without yeah. being judged, there are people who will choose wisely and people who will choose badly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you find it all out there. Oh yeah. 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 And as you guys started to get more well-known and people started to realize like there's this thing going on over there. What was that like when people started to figure out kind of who you guys, who you guys were? I mean, there must've been a moment where that happened. Yeah. But you know, I think by then um, they had, they honored us. They respected us. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, even in the part of the early years, uh, part of our learning curve is they would encourage us. They would go, oh, no, don't leave early. You're part of our community. You know, mm-hmm. and we, you know, we told them, listen, we're kind of done when they're going to burn the man on, yeah. on uh, Saturday night. But, but, you know, they, they, they did a lot to say, you're, you are part of us, you're burners. And. Indeed, we had to embrace that. We go, no, we're, we fit. We were sent into this culture to fit in a way, but, but with a difference, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so they honored that. Yeah. And we yeah. definitely developed relationships with certain other camps. There was one camp in particular, Rhythm Wave. 
they were five rhythms dance camp mm-hmm. and so, um, ecstatic they dance. Would, what's that? Ecstatic dance where you just kind of yeah, move your body however called. you feel called. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they would actually send their new team members to have an encounter and they would say, go Monday or Tuesday, first part of the week, because that we weren't as busy. Um, and so the first couple of days, it was really common for us to have rhythm waiver after rhythm waiver in our encounters because they just had them all come or the people who'd been before they knew show up early in the week. It's easier to get in and get an encounter. So we would see them. And then we would, um, we got to the point where we'd have a meal with them mm-hmm. every year. Yeah. Um, uh, so mm-hmm. really neat relationship yeah. developed there with that. Yeah. Camp. We also had people that said, that told us they, they would come to burning man yeah. in order to come to our camp. Yes. Yeah. It was their privilege really? to come yeah. to our camp. Yeah. 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 Carl. Or people just, you know, get so blown away. They go, I don't have to see the rest of Burning Man. They either go home or they just do what the Andrew just said. They mm-hmm. just hang out in yeah. the coffee dome all the time. Yeah. Wow. So they sort of adopted us. Yeah. yeah. And I think some of those that seem like there were also some <clears throat> that were repeaters to our camp that also began to leave early before the burning of a man because it was getting so dark even too dark for them it's like mm-hmm. now nah, we're done yeah yeah i completely get that um you know it's it's i i i think of you guys as as odd as this, as odd as this sounds embodying the best principles of burning man right mm-hmm. like like you took it in the right direction you know rather than towards darkness and self-indulgence and and uh and uh, what we might call spiritual materialism or material spiritualism, right? Like, oh, what I do with my body is spiritual, right? Spiritual materialism. You guys actually took it in the, in the right direction and embodied all the same principles, but in the direction of, of light and, and goodness and beauty and virtue and, of course, God. But you didn't wear God on the outside. Like, there wasn't a big cross at the front. You know what I mean? It wasn't like a, <laughs> yeah. it wasn't like a church. It was you wore these principles in who you were and what you did and let them speak for themselves in a way towards virtue. So it makes sense to me that people would come and experience what you have to offer and be like, yeah, I've gotten everything I need out of Burning Man other than like, I look at the cool blinky things and then I go home, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it all goes back to that hunger inherent in so many of the people that spirituality was there. And basically our mission was to find it, to meet it Mm -hmm. and to redefine it, Mm -hmm. redefine it for people or, or, uh, give it an interpretation if they didn't know what they were feeling. Yeah. Uh, and that's the beauty of God. I think he, I think he likes doing that. <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. He agree. put the hunger there originally. He yeah. put, put the empty hole in the human heart that needs to be filled only with him. Yeah. Yeah. With that note, it's one ten, and I have an appointment at one thirty. Okay. Oh, no problem. <laughs> yeah. I have a couple more questions, but I mean, I can take for the rest of the three of you and Andrea, if you have to go by all means, or we yeah. can wrap it up now if you guys have to all go together, but that's no problem. They can carry on. Okay. It was lovely to see you. Oh. Thank you for, thank Great you for being part of this. <laughs> thank you. you. Good to see you. Oh, nice. <laughs> Kim? Yes. Oh, nice. I said hi. Uh-huh. Bye, Andrea. Yeah, so I, I think for me, the, the one part of my story, and we'll just go for just a few more minutes if that's okay. The, the one part of the story that I don't often talk about is how mm-hmm. I actually, how I actually. Should we move our, we look a little lopsided now. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Is, is actually how I came to yeah, re, reorganizing the frame. Anyway, we feel better now. <laughs> Perfect, more balanced, right? Um, the feng shui. 
is actually how I came to even meet the guy who directed me to your camp in the first place. So as, as I've, I've mentioned other, other places, I was uh, dating this woman for a number of years and that relationship ended. And this was at the end of August, 2015. And suddenly it's like, well, I'm, I'm not in this relationship anymore. I, I'm okay with camping in tents. She was more of an RV kind of girl. And I was like, well, now I can go. So I just decided I felt the strong call to go to Burning Man. And so I went and people are always selling tickets at the last minute. But the thing is, I rode with a bunch of people in with an RV. And we, 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 wrote, we rode into the, to the festival. And the thing was, no one, no one knew that I was coming. You know, so it's like suddenly I'm just showing up. Normally people spend a year planning what camp they're going to be with and they contribute to camps monetarily and organizationally. I'm just showing up kind of like as an orphan, right? And so I'm in this RV full of guys. I don't even remember who's in the RV. And they don't know where to park either. Not because of me, but because they don't know where they're going, right? And so the RV, as we're driving onto the playa, tries to stop at three or four different locations, right? now, And I know that I have friends. I have the coordinates where my friends' camps are all over all over the playa from like you know uh, uh, 11 o'clock you know on the clock face to five o'clock and i think like you know three or four o'clock and so trying to figure out where to park and we end up just parking the first place they could find a spot to fit their rv because it was like wednesday right and so by that point the festival's kind of filling up and finding places to park your rv closer to the center versus the rim you know is really difficult so we park in this uh, particular spot that isn't part of anyone's camp. It's just a free space. So that meant I was closer to one camp than another one. And we would drove around for like an hour and a half trying to find a place to park. Mm. And that meant I was closer to one camp than another. So I'm like, okay, I can either hitch a ride in an art car all the way to the other side of the festival to meet up with one group of, group of friends, or I can just carry all my stuff two or three blocks to this other camp. Like, okay, I'll just carry my stuff and see what they have. And so if the RV had parked somewhere else, and because I went there and set up when I did and put my tent right where it was, went to sleep, woke up in the morning, and then that morning is when I met the guy who directed me to your camp because he was in the tent next to me. Mm-hmm. Like if I had arrived, if, I had, if we had parked on the other side of the playa, I, would, I never would have, I mean, who knows, right? Like, you know, God yeah. makes all things work, right? Right. But, you know, the coincidence, coincidence, quote unquote, mm-hmm. of me of, of the RV struggling to find a place to park so we could park in that space so that I could be at that camp and meet that yeah. guy the morning after he had seen you guys. Yeah. All yeah. those pieces lining up that got me there in the first place. Yeah. I mean, it's, it blows my mind when I think yeah. about it. I love that kind of hindsight when you see the hand of God orchestrating yeah. things behind the scenes that you're completely unaware of and the outcome. It's phenomenal. It is mind blowing. Yeah. 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 And then, you know, just last couple of questions. Like, are you still in, other than me, are you still in touch with anybody from the, um, from the event? Or do you ever get feedback of like, oh, I met you guys and you set my life in a whole new direction or. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah I heard from a, um, a, a guy that he lives in New York city. He had a radical encounter with God uh, the year we were with him. Um, yeah. He just was wondering if we were going and um, I don't, perceived you know it was a slight chat and he was getting ready to get on a plane to come here it was like a last minute Mm. getting ready to go to burning man it was a last minute thing so we didn't carry on a big chat but yeah i thought it was significant he got in touch yeah there was a one man from rhythm wave um Mm -hmm. named rich Uh, actually i was involved in an encounter with him 
it, it was my newbie year and come to find out it was his also. And Rob had been telling me, there'll come a moment when the penny will drop, which is that moment when you just, it's like something in you just graphs into what's happening there, the move mm-hmm. of God. And um, it was in the encounter with Rich is when it happened. Mm-hmm. And um, I was undone by it and he was undone by it. He went over in the coffee dome afterwards, apparently, and was in there weeping and crying. And anyway, the next year he came back for an encounter and randomly was seated with my encounter team. And it was that moment of recognition and excitement to see each other. Well, after that, every year when he came, he would actually ask to be seated with me mm-hmm. and watching the process of him coming to the Lord over the years, um, how the encounters that he had with us were significant touch points. Um, so he and I still keep in touch, um, loosely. Um, you guys ran into him randomly at a native yep. American, mm-hmm. uh, event that yep. you guys went to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then also there was one year where there was this young German gal that came to our camp and she had come with her sister and her sister was wholly embracing the burning man experience. And this gal was completely freaked out by the burning man experience Mm. and ended up coming, I think every day Mm. for an encounter. Um, as she hung out in the coffee dome a lot, we were a safe space for her. Um, she and I have been communicating a little bit, um, also, which has been really cool. So Um, I know, yeah. and there was a um, maybe not so much now, but um, for a few years there was a another gal in uh, San Francisco, and she might oh. be in, in touch with some of the other uh, oh, yeah. team members. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah, that, um, Shannon and um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Caitlin, I think we're keeping so, in touch. With yeah, I think there's some of the other team members that are in touch with some of the people they came across as well. Yeah. Like this. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's one of the things that we've learned actually through the ministry um, that, I mean, me learning it through the dream interpretation ministry, you guys had already had a lot of experience with that is the whole thing of God entrusts us with this, whatever encounters in front of us, we're responsible for that. And then beyond that, it's up to God Mm -hmm. where he's going to take things. So learning to release Mm -hmm. to God, the responsibility for what happens after Mm -hmm. that. Yeah. Um, because like I said, it's pretty hard sometimes to, yeah. you know, watch them walk out of our encounter tent back yeah. out into whatever was mm-hmm. going to happen out there. But, uh, we just, you know, would do what we were called to do in the little time that we had with them. And then beyond that, it's up to God, you know, and I learned so much also about the, the reach of God's arm. You know, mm-hmm. if, if he can direct people to our camp at Burning Man to get that significant of an encounter, he can do it anywhere. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And I just one one more question is is uh, I don't I don't want to ask, but that means that I that I that I have to ask is that I, I want to walk through my encounter through your eyes because I've told the story through my eyes so many times and I think about it all the time. So like just just walk through like this guy shows up in front of you and like three and a half hours later and then five years later. If there's anything you want to share for that, that um, yeah, please feel free. You know for. For from my perspective, as I was thinking about this, I I loved how it unfolded mm-hmm. because I could see uh, when you sat down, we get started, and you know I could I could feel and sense and see um, your and feel that that thing in the spirit where you're you're coming forward and you're sharing some stuff and then you pull back this back and forth and how, how much can we go? And it was like, almost like an onion, you know, like 
we get through one thing and you go, wow, you kind of be really impacted. And then, yeah, yeah, I want some more. And we would (laughs) just keep going. And I remember it was a beautiful thing. Um, And I remember, which I really highly value this, Will, because not everybody would do this. But when that point in time when you said, uh, I forget the words that you use, but basically you were talking about your relationship with men and father figures and so on and and uh questioned Larry. Yeah. And I thought that was brilliant. I was I still to this day it's like that was so cool that you had the courage, you had the fortitude, go no, I'm here now and I'm not going to bail because I'm I'm questioning this guy's intentions or whatever yeah. and you just brought it out and that gave Larry the opening to be able to express his heart to you. And I just thought that was a beautiful, beautiful thing. Mm -hmm. And I loved how you, how that coming, that coming forward and coming back and this whole thing and, and going, yeah, no, that was good. I think I can take some more. Let's go. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Your, your voraciousness came through in that encounter. Yes. Yes. Uh, You were actually an easy encounter in that way, yeah. because of your hunger, your willingness, your openness, uh, there, we definitely had encounters over the years where we were really having to try to draw people out and you were there to, you were like, bring it. And yeah. uh, I yeah. just, and the, uh, the unfolding is a great way of saying it. Yeah. You know, yeah. we, we wouldn't know it was kind of a weird sensation to be sitting in our seats and waiting for someone to be seated in front of us. Like, from one encounter to the next, we had no idea what was going to be seated with us. And um, I would always try to guess, you know, like you were saying, you were looking and seeing which team you wanted to be with. I would try to guess like, okay, which one are they going to seat next? And you know, I was almost always wrong. But anyway, not knowing what was going to happen and then to have you sit down with just your um, just openness and hunger. And um, it was an incredible faith building encounter for me and I, probably for yeah. you also just yeah walking through the whole thing. And then when you shared that thing about seeing Jesus oh. with the dust mask and the goggles, that was kind of like one of those things that kind of like, Oh, gee, like uh, he would show up. Mm-hmm. I mean, on the plyo full gear, you know, so we're getting wrecked right along with you in that <laughs> encounter. It was amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When, uh, when I had that, that inspiration was like, uh, just dropped it to take you over and, and lead you over. It's like, yeah, take him over and lead him over and introduce him. And it was like, that whole thing was like, almost as I think about it now, it's almost like in slow-mo play. I can revisit that. And it was such, it impacted me profoundly as well. As you hit the floor, you know, you just hit the floor and and coming undone there. And like, I was coming undone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was a powerful, powerful moment uh, enveloped with the infused with the power of God yeah. in, in that moment. And who you can't help but be wrecked, basically. And that was a powerful moment for me as, as well as for you. It was so, so I'm so I feel privileged to have that moment with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then having you come up here for Christmas. Yeah. And um, I remember, I don't even know how many times throughout the course of the time you were here, you kept grabbing your head and saying, 
too much goodness, too much goodness. It was like, you, like couldn't, you couldn't process what you were experiencing. Um, but, you know, when you see somebody encountering the, the reality of the bigness and the love of the father, and you see them like trying to even process and like their physical body can't even handle what they're experiencing. It does something to you too. You know, it's mm-hmm. like a, a, it refreshes our own faith to see that kind of a thing. And uh, what a, a joy watching your journey. And um, I remember you bringing up the thing about traveling and yeah. you had this in your heart uh, to do this traveling. And so Katie and I, as moms, we're like, well, why wouldn't you do it? Like blessing you to go and explore and to, and to live this dream, not knowing <laughs> <laughs> it was going to be this five-year journey yeah. into every possible spiritual experience. and. Katie and I have talked about this. I had a lot of, oh God, oh God moments <laughs> yeah. reading your Facebook posts. And Katie said she just had a lot of faith. I did. Thing. I yeah. I had the the assurance. I mean, it wasn't like I was happy. You were, you know, it's like, oh yeah, he's gonna try that. It was like, no, I just had this assurance that that uh Jesus was with you mm-hmm. and that he he wasn't gonna let you go. Yeah. That he yeah. was covering you somehow he was protecting you and it's like i just have that faith and that assurance even though it's like i squirm a little bit he's doing this oh, okay yeah. no no he's god's got this yeah <laughs> yeah i remember you you uh telling the story about i think you might have messaged just about it you were in i think it was australia mm. and you were in some town that was known for its new age offerings so to speak Byron bay maybe Okay, you're walking down the street and there was a sign on the street, prayer, or it was something like that. Yes, the prayer room. Yeah. 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 And when you shared that story, it's like, okay, okay, God's got it. God's got it. He's okay. Yeah. Thank you for reminding me about that. Yeah, there was Byron Bay is like, it's like Sedona or Bali or Goa or something like that. And then I walked it. I remember there was a prayer sign. I don't even remember. I don't remember what the denomination was or what it said, but I did go, I did go in there and you guys were with me. Like I was messaging you regularly, yeah. you know, on, on Facebook, the four of you, like yeah. we were yeah. chatting, chatting uh-huh. regularly. Uh-huh. Yeah. And then, yeah. And the then tra- all of a sudden we get this message. I've traveled the world and experienced all this and come to the realization that Jesus is the truth. It was like, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And you, yeah. He stressed us. To the yes. Max. I did. did. Oh, I mean, my faith went through that, just watching what you'd been through and God just guiding you through it all. Really incredible. Well, you know, I probably haven't told you this part of the story, Rob, but this is the part that you play into is, you know, so I met you guys on the playa and it was, it was that moment with Larry that I was really stuck on was like, I was, I was projecting, he had some judgments towards me. And it was just strictly coming out of me, but I was like, I'm not going to be able to get past this. And so it was a real, maybe a 10 or 15 minute period where it's like, okay, this is in my heart. I'm either going to say it or not. It's either going to stop, either I'm going to, either I'm going to give into it and stop and leave, or I'm going to speak it. And so I spoke it. Right. And that was a profoundly healing. Go ahead. Yeah. Let me just interject because I just reframe that here in this again. And that was a masterful cooperation with Holy Spirit on your part. Because you brought something to the light. Most people go, Oh, I don't want to bring that. I don't want to bring that up. But you were honest. You just brought it to the light. You weren't vindictive or anything, you know, didn't have an edge. You just brought it to the light. And that gave Larry 
um, that opening to say, oh, no, this is my heart. Let me let me mm-hmm. put you at ease. So two bits of light coming together, you know, mm-hmm. and if only we all would do that more in our daily lives, yeah. um, more more problems would get resolved. Like I'll give you a chance to speak now, you know. Mm-hmm. I'm struggling with this judgment. I'm not sure if it's right or wrong. Please speak. Yeah. Well, that was the thing is I had to get my, get my hands around it, but there's a picture forming by the way of like how, um, how I guess providential it is that it's was the four of you on the call today. And then I wish Larry could be here, but you know, I'll I'll speak, I'll send him a message and we're done. But like, you know, uh, but Larry had such an important role to play. All four of you did, but Larry's role, because I'm sitting there for 15 minutes, like struggling with this. How am I going to express this? And I'm having to separate, like, I'm having this projection moment. I'm not aware that it's a projection. Like, am I actually feeling something? And so I'm wrestling with it. Like, okay, I've got to separate myself from it and find the right way to speak it in a way that isn't confrontational or it's like, okay, I just need to check this out real quick. Like getting my hands around it like that to say, you know, because I had announced that I wanted to travel and that I wanted to travel the world. And what I was experiencing um, uh, was that like, he was judging me for that. Like, oh, who's this kid to do this privileged kid or whatever, something like that. And that that it was my own voice, but I couldn't hear that it was my own voice. I was projecting it onto him. And so that I had to take that out and be able to get it to the point where it's like, okay, this thing is happening. I need to check out whether it's real or not. And what I was actually scared of was him be like, yeah, it's real. Like, I don't know. If <laughs> that was the fear, right? Yeah, but like, right. But, yeah. right. but yeah. to be able to, but to, I'd be like, and I, I'll never forget the way that he said, like, no, I don't feel that way at all. I'm happy and excited for you. And I was like, really? <laughs> right. Well, you know, the people who are listening to this podcast, they know me in a certain way now, but I was not always this guy. Like I remember I had had this dream in my heart to travel for 15 years by the, by the time that I met you guys, almost 16 years. And I had to ask you guys for permission. I had to ask total strangers for permission to, to fulfill my own dreams. And you guys I remember Barb, I think you and Katie, you guys looked at me like, you don't need to ask us for permission, but yeah. I still needed to ask. Yeah. Right. And the, and, and that's completely alien to the way that I am now, but that's the guy that I was back then because mm-hmm. I was carrying this internalized judgment that I needed to be able to get out into the space between me and Larry. And then also Barb, you and me, like the, the stuff that I had around mother and stuff like that to be able to separate that. Because I remember you saying so meaningfully, like, no, it's my job as a mom to let my son go. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not supposed to hold him here forever. Like, of course it breaks my heart. Of course it hurts to send him out in the world, but that's still what I have to do as a mother. And that was not my experience of mothering at all. And mm. that you had my mom's name, Barbara, mm. and that you offered that experience. That was like, what? Like, that's what a mother is, you know? And so in the same, so you had a piece of it and Larry had a piece of it as well. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Will. that's, uh, that, uh, that fills it out. Mm-hmm. We knew some of that, but you filled it out now even more. And mm-hmm. and thank you for doing that. Mm-hmm. You're welcome. Thank you. Beautiful. I mean, it was yeah. a space that the three of you created yeah. because I, I was hungry for it. But while you're while you're doing the healing work with me, I'm also testing you because I've done so much healing stuff. I'm like, do these people know what they're doing? You know what I mean? Like, oh, <laughs> they know what they're doing. Okay, let's let's you know. And there was a point at which the ball just starts rolling downhill. You know, when the really deep stuff around mother and father starts coming out, yeah. you know, that really liberated me to be like, oh, wow. You mean like I can leave 
leave the mother energy and go be myself and, and travel the world. And, and I can depart from this father energy and like, no, it's okay. And free myself. Like that was very powerful for me, mm-hmm. but there's no way that you guys would have known what was going oh, yeah. on behind my yeah. eyes. Yeah. 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 And just for, just the piece that you had, Rob, Rob, is that um, I've got it. Excuse me. One second. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 Because when I got back from my travels, the day I got back, December, uh, February 2020, the day I got back, you had shipped this to my friend Jeff. And mm-hmm. I arrived into San Francisco. And he I stayed to stay with him for a couple of nights and pick up my stuff and move to Phoenix. The day I got back, he put this book into my hands, Simply Christian by N.T. Wright, which yeah. you had sent to me. Right. Yeah. And so now looking back, I understand that I met Christ on the playa through you guys, with you guys. And he sent me on this adventure to go and do all the things. Ayahuasca, you know, the Kumela Hindu festival. Vipassana meditation, all this different new age stuff and medicines to go experience it all and to go do all these things. And when I got back, Christ was waiting for me. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> because you sent me this, yeah. Rob, as a as a gift. Yeah. 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 Hmm. Yeah. Thank you. It was it was God's timing, you know. <laughs> and you know, another wrinkle to that is um, you'd had so much experiences, even including ours on the playa. Um, he needed some teaching, yeah, which is valid. Jesus sat and taught so many times in the Bible. He didn't just preach or do miracles. He taught them principles of the kingdom. And so, so God has that for us. And I, I think that was your timing. Like you were ready. Yeah, you were ready to be taught. Mm-hmm. Old Chinese pro- proverb, when the student is ready, the teacher will come. Mm-hmm. You know, but God I sent a book your way. <laughs> He sent a lot of blessings my way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm like in tears here, just uh, marveling that we get to enjoy and see and, and marvel at this transformation. The, you know, you're not just your transformation, all of us, but as we've been recounting uh, for the last hour and a half or whatever, it just is so wonderful how god works things out because mm-hmm. he says my ways are not your ways your ways yeah. are not my ways and uh, and so hearing all of this and and hearing more and more you filling out your own story um i just i just can't help but fall more in love with god mm-hmm. he's so i love his intricacies and his his creativity and just how cool he is. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. Want another little piece of that real quick? Yeah. Okay. So the cover of this book is simply Christian. This is Cape Rianga, which is the northernmost point of New Zealand, which mm-hmm. is which is a very special place to me for my travels, New Zealand and this place. So when I got back, having moved here from New Zealand. <laughs> Ah. <laughs> this book put in my hands from you, Rob, as a gift. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I get chills. Oh, yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. There's yeah. a universal <laughs> chill in the room. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> That's <laughs> incredible. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> God. <laughs> yeah. It's got 
longer than number. previously thought. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, we make him so small. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this keeps getting bigger. Uh, answer, okay. answering again. God, do you see me? Yeah. <laughs> of course, I do. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, thank you all so much. This has been a real blessing of a conversation after uh, after many years of blessings of, of uh, friendship and fellowship with you guys. Thank you so much. Yeah, you're yeah. welcome. It's fun thank to you. have the conversation with you, and yeah, re- relive the moments. Yeah. yeah. Don't be a stranger. Come back up here. Yeah. Or maybe Can we'll do. get down there. We'll see. Yeah. yeah. Anytime. And I, I definitely have some people that I want to come visit up there in Idaho as well. Yeah. Do you, uh, are, are there any place that, um, that you send people for more information about you and or streams ministries or any of the things that you do online to know that you were doing dream interpretation online for a while? Well, that was a... more a factor of COVID. Mm, um, yeah. Most of the work we do is pretty local. Um, yeah, we do have a Facebook page where we put stuff. I mean, it's just really for like our local dream interpretation ministry that we do. Um, yeah, spirit dream, North Idaho. uh, Yeah. I mean, if somebody wanted to get in touch with us, that would be the way because we do monitor that page. So spirit dream, North Idaho on Facebook. We don't mind questions. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Put kindly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Pearl calls everything, remember? That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you're 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 everyday, everyday people. Like there's no, you know, great magic to it in that way. It's like you're you're people who took on a, a pretty brave and pretty bold calling to go uh, right into the hardest and pretty difficult and dark places. And yeah. uh, that's you know, but that doesn't mean there's any greatness. It's just it's the it's the small things that compound the big things, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's the, the privilege of getting to be part of what God's doing. Yeah. Amen. Thank you yeah. all so much. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. Thank, Great you. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Yeah, we love See you. you in person soon. <laughs> yeah, I love you guys too. Love you. <laughs>